everyone, you're listening to episode number 8 of the Attitude Era podcast. It's Judgment Day 1998, the first ever Judgment Day for that matter. Uh, hello everyone once again, I'm Kevin Mann, joined as I am always in this review of the Attitude Era by my colleagues and comrades, first of all, Adam Bibolo. Hello there, Kevin. How's it going? Very well, got a lot to say about tonight's pay-per-view. Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, if we're to take a, an initial barometer reading of your, your opinions, or how you, you psyched up for, for Judgment Day? Psyched up? I was about a 7. A 7? That's, yeah. that's not so bad. And oh, it can come down, don't worry. That will come down. Oh, good lord. Joined to my right, as always, unquestionably the baddest man on the planet, Mr. Billy Keeble. Hello, Billy. Hello. Are you looking forward to talking about Judgment Day? Yeah, but not in like a, this is an amazing pay-per-view sense. More in like, oh, we'll talk Spoiler about this alert, then. it's not very good. Like a, f- a funeral for a distant uncle, like, you know. Yeah. You it's felt good. you had the capacity to be fun, but you never really got to, uh, to, to reach that level. No. Yeah. It's Judgment Day 1998. Play with <laughs> 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 It all started after you lost the WWF title. You didn't live up to your end of the game. You're not going to live up to mine. My life has been a living hell. You violated me. It doesn't matter what you, you people. As much humiliation as I suffered, you're real proud. You're going to suffer more. The Undertaker and King Two are going to battle you. And humble yourself before me. I will fire your ass. I I guarantee you, fire your ass. The unholy shall stand before him, and the wicked will be humbled at his feet. For judgment day is upon us. Okay, and it's Judgment Day 1998, coming to us sold out from Chicago, Illinois. This is the same venue and arena as WrestleMania 13, and so it's the first time they were back here since then. Obviously, since 1997, things have picked up considerably. To say the least. To say yeah. the least. Uh, Chicago is always you know, considered to be one of the uh, hotbeds of uh, kind of professional wrestling. Although we don't really get this kind of smart crowd that you would typically expect nowadays, I think... Back in the Attitude Era, maybe it was before it was a necessary given that if a show was in, you know, New York, Philadelphia, or, or Chicago, Chicago yeah. internet fans are just going to go and ruin it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, I, when I heard Judgment Day was in Chicago, I got really excited, like, oh, the crowd's going to be on top form, but uh, I was soon let down when the match started. Yeah, I'll tell you what I wasn't let down, though, by is good God in heaven, this opening promo package, Vince yeah. McMahon is all over this thing. Sweet Jesus, he is Satan. You didn't live up to your end of the deal. I'm not going to live up to mine. We get everything in this one. We get, you know, the black and white shots. We you violated me, Austin! That line ev- comes up so many times throughout the paper. <laughs> you violated me! <laughs> and Freddie Blassie is back as well, yeah. thank God. Yes, Good Freddie Blassie, uh, in between all the repeated Vince McMahon talk and promises that Vince McMahon will fire Steve Austin's ass, we go, yeah, Freddie Blassie's back doing a little bit of the old... Uh, Biblical quotations and whatnot. Always happy to see. Always Fred. pleasant on the ears. Always pleasant on the ears. So um, the main development from last month's pay per view, when we ended with once again, uh, there was no uh, WWF champion crown. We had a draw, so to speak. Mm. So we're now in a position that uh, we're trying to fill the vacant uh, title belt. Vince McMahon had at one point promised to give it to Undertaker and Kane, but because Austin kept on getting to Vince, Vince was like, "You didn't live up to your end of the deal. I want it up to mine." Now he's making them fight each other in the main event 
for the vacant belt. I don't understand the logic here, straight off the bat for the main event. Steve Austin is a special guest referee, and Vince McMahon apparently wants to humble Austin in this yeah. regard, but it's such a confusing scenario. Do you not think, after the amount of times your plans have backfired and Steve Austin has managed to outsmart you, that maybe putting him in charge of this championship match is a yeah. bit of a bad idea? He is a man who plays by no rules, being the rule master. Yeah, I know. It's not going to work. It's, the, so, it's, sorry, the rule master? The rule master. Where did that come from? He was the ringmaster for all. <laughs> He's the rule master now. It's a bit close to the bone. Um, but the, the one good thing about this is, again, I, I, watching the Raws leading up to this, we had some of the most famous Austin McMahon segments coming up uh, leading in the build to this pay-per-view. We had the Zamboni, which we talked about already. We had the Corvette being filled up with cement. Cement. Cement, sorry. So we really had, you know, Vince getting to, uh, sorry, being gotten to by, by Austin. And of course, as well, Vince is now wheelchair-bound because The Undertaker and Kane... Uh, broke his ankle with steel steps because Vince gave him the fingers and as what, you do and I, I actually think what's funnier than Vince McMahon shouting at people is Vince McMahon sat down shouting at people it just looks so much more hysterical to me I know it's, it's he quite can't, he can't let the shout get out because he's not stood up he's, he's not fill up his, yeah, he's, his, his diaphragm yeah his diaphragm is <laughs> not full capacity so it's like a bit of a gurgle at times so, <laughs> so basically the hook for the whole pay-per-view which, which the announcers talk about the whole time is if Austin doesn't make the pinfall as referee he will be fired. That's the... Uh, they keep using the word humble. Humble. Humbled. Uh, I can't hear that word now without hearing the Iron Sheik. The Iron Make Sheik. him humble. Jim Ross just starts the pay-per-view and he's like... <laughs> Steve Austin's going to get humbled tonight. Uh, in a country way. Yeah. <laughs> Start the show off. We cut to ringside. Al Snow comes out. Big fan of Al Snow Yay. on the podcast. Yep. You know, great, great character. You know, great gimmick. Always has a nice match. Starts cutting a nice little promo. You know, the what does everybody want... And he's doing it all crazy. I love that. As soon as he starts doing his promo, Mark Merrow's music just plays yeah. over the promo. Someone fucked up. Let me prove that two heads are not better than one. Welcome to the pack and save. Today is double coupons. So what does everybody want? What does everybody need? And what does everybody want? Because Mark Merrow does, it wasn't a case of, oh, he's cutting him off, what a heel. Mark Merrow's music simply played and Al just continued talking. Carried on the yeah. whole thing. As the hard camera stayed on the entranceway. Uh, and then Mark Merrow comes out, like, Mark, like you, you ready? Yeah, <laughs> Mark Merrow, he, does he do his own live introduction? Who, Merrow? Yeah. No? no? There was a little introduction. Maybe I'm just thinking, you know, I could hear Snow's over there. No, that was Snow. Yeah, you oh, Snow. I got Snow. really. Oh, I got really confused. No, that then. was Al in the ring trying yeah. to do his No, that wasn't Al Snow doing Ricardo Rodriguez. That was him trying <laughs> yeah. to do his uh, agreed-upon... Uh, There's a, uh, a shockingly unmarvellous introduction from uh, Miro. No, although it can be said now, Jacqueline remembered to bring the Women's Championship with her this month. The one job she has to do. The one job she has. Fans started chanting Sable... She ain't here, lads. Yeah. Get over it. She wasn't at the last pay-per-view either, if you if you recall. No, we've had a nice little reprieve. Sable yeah. has been kind of eased back a little bit. And um, then uh, we have somebody come out. We uh, we think, what could make this match more shit? And they said, well, let's throw let's throw some I'd, Jeff Jarrett. I'd say let's not be too hasty. I've warmed up to Jeff Jarrett lately. However, I will say he comes out with his new short blonde hair and a pair of sunglasses on. Spitting image of Duke Nukem. <laughs> I ought to break a broom handle off in your ass. 
Yeah. We've decided <laughs> Jeff Jarrett looks like so many men. He's the man of a thousand faces. So it was Gordon Ramsay, then Boromir. And then Newcomb. Flash Gordon. Newcomb. Flash Gordon as well to start Flash with. Flash Gordon yeah. as well. He's, he's done it all. <laughs> Don't piss me off. But no, I, I, I take the point though of, of, I mean, for me it was very confusing because, I mean, Al and Mark Merrow, they didn't have a feud really going into this. Um, you know, Merrow had some issues with the job squad, I think. But yeah, Jeff Jarrett literally just comes out, says he wants to fight Al, and then they're like, "No, you can't, mate. We've got a match scheduled." Yeah, but he just walks off, and we don't know. We don't know why he's come out until after he's gone. When Jr. just says, "I'll, I'll snow cost cost Jarrett a match on heat on, on Sunday heat. night heat," yeah, yeah, Can the most important show, match. Show us, you know. It was it was very strange, and I thought, given the role that Jarrett was on in terms of. You know, his, you know, his character was getting you know, really well rough. You know, defined mm. now. He, he looked like a bit of a bad... It just looks like a... a That's yeah. his appearance on the pay-per-view, is he comes come, out and is more or less and, asked to leave. And he doesn't even, like, come out, like... I mean, if you want to be a badass, he come out and knock out the opponent. Yeah. He's like, right, now you're going to so, face me. Yeah. Please, please, please. Can I, can, I, can, I, can I do it? Jeff Jarrett, <laughs> he's got a new set of rules. He's got to ask politely to be in matches that he thinks he should be in. Don't piss him off, he'll raise his voice. Don't piss him off, he'll do a very aggressive letter-writing campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and Jack Tunney will have no choice but to let him on this show. Um, I got some uh, queries and questions about how I came to the conclusion that Mark Merrow looked like Waluigi on the last podcast. Okay. Now, I stand by that, uh, that analogy. I do believe he looks like Waluigi. However, upon closer inspection, this kind of long singles match, I come to the conclusion that he looks like a white Lionel Richie. Hello. Jesus <laughs> Christ, you're right. Oh, my God. He's got, like, the cat-like eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the part where I would do loads of jokes mixing in Lionel Richie song for yeah. Mark Merrow catchphrases. Unfortunately, neither... No, Lionel Richie song or Mark Merrill catchphrase is sufficiently memorable enough. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to take it as it is. There's a... Uh, there's Raw a, joke. <laughs> there's, a, there's a nice little moment where uh, Jerry and JR are talking and uh, the camera suddenly cuts to a uh, head just uh, just below the... Uh, oh, yeah, he's in the corner. corner. And then, uh, and then uh, JR's in the middle of a sentence, interrupts himself by going, and there's head! And then continues on. <laughs> and it's, just a, it's just a really weird moment. really detracts it from the, uh, the match. Um, yeah, we get Mero at the start threatening to punt head. Oh, no. He's a right naughty boy. He is. It's, it's, uh, it was well out of order. Uh, the match begins with a series of incredibly fucked up sequences. Yep. As in, they go for, like, long, like, grappling chain it's just an, like it's timings off everything is about 30 clotheslines thrown in there as well just to try and tie it all together I mean I, I don't, I'm don't. i not one who kind of saying oh you, sh- you shouldn't do this kind of wrestling and that kind of wrestling but I mean like Mero clearly can't keep up in like what's going on it's just it's a clusterfuck yeah. from, from the get go no and it's the opening match and you know yeah we had a really nice opening match at Breakdown didn't we like, I thought yeah. we were getting better with these I thought we were getting somewhere yeah it's it's a shame Al is you know Al is busting out everything he can in this match to kind of to save it he hits this big ass moonsault at one point a very athletic manoeuvre from, mm. from Mr. Snow although his knee comes square in contact with Mark Merrow's dick yeah, yeah. Merrow tries to get revenge for that in a bit though with the uh, the world's worst low blow <laughs> did, Billy did you pick up on this the shittiest low blow in I the world I don't think I did Jacqueline comes up on the ring to distract no. Snow I remember that and Snow goes over and and the referee and Snow are in, in between uh, Jack and whatever. Then Mero riles up to do the, the low blow. Yeah. But I think Mero must think he's on a different camera because what he does is he he like you know like you knock on a door. 
He does that on the inner thigh of Al's... He, he cock-knocks. His, le- his arm goes up in the most peculiar fashion. Yeah, with a, bl- a low blow, everyone knows you're going to have your arm hooked. Like, you know, like so a you can, there, there's, a correct, there's a correct way to punch someone in the dick. China, yeah. China will show you. You do it with a big hooked arm. Mm. He had his arm like almost straight and basically just tapped his ass almost. He looked like he was trying to find a vein for a... Uh, for <laughs> Not that I'm it. saying that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, slip that one under the rug there. Meryl does this uh, several times in this match. He done it once or twice before and we kind of let it slide. But, you know, again, singles match. Now we can pick it apart, I suppose. He does this gimmick where he pulls his jocks up like under his oxters. Yeah. All really the way hard. up. Yeah. And then he like he puffs up his chest and he goes like, I'm not a boxing fan. But I don't think boxers that do that. That is not a boxing thing. No. Though. Right, it's not, not boxing. It's not a boxing. Well, no, because boxers don't lift up their britches and then climb to the top rope and try and do a fucking big moonsault off the top. I think, I, I, I think it's, it's down purely to the fact that Miro's a bit of a prick. <laughs> a, a good summary, yeah. Well, what I'm worried about, he lifts his, these Everlast jocks, like, he basically gives himself a fucking wedgie. I'm worried that he's going to have a ball pop out at the end of oh, the show. But what it reminded me of is, it reminded me of Punch Out in the Nez, because you know, he's a kind of a bit of a character, is Mark Merrill, that, you know, before he does his great big punch that, like, really proper knocks you out, he pulls up his pants he and goes, like, tell. you know, and then, you know, he does that, and then you have to hit him with the, the star punch. I began thinking around five minutes into this hot opener. <laughs> I started thinking, Jesus, I wish they'd end this match. Like, I, don't, I mean, I, last night when I watched it, it was very hot here. It was yeah. the middle of a heat wave. Now, I, I usually don't get this kind of despondent and jaded, you know, and kind of go, oh, just end it. Come on, finish it up. In the opening match. In the match. opening match, considering, you know, the hype I had with the Raws, I mean, I found it very peculiar because, you know, I'm usually quite positive when it comes to watching my wrestling. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This match just sucked the life right out of it. And I suppose the crowd can be someone to blame. The crowd, we say off the bat, the crowd are shit. Yeah, they're um, not even trying to make an effort to try and save the match here. Yeah. You know. It's um, not their job to save the match if it's mm, that poor. They have to give it a, sh- a shot, though. Yeah, you know? and coming up later on in the night, I think there's a couple of matches that are actually ruined by the crowd not trying hard enough to... It's hard, though, because when you got an opener like this, and obviously it's, it's you know, there's a lot of messed up spots and blah, 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 you kind of go, oh, is the crowd... Yeah, to start the paper, you're always like, oh, is the crowd shit, or is it just a bad match? And then mm. you have to wait like two or three matches before you go... Actually, the crowd is shit. But it's a knock on effect because if you've got like someone you're sitting backstage and you've watched an hour of the crowd being shit, you're going to go and go, well, the crowd's going to be yeah. shit here. I think a lot of we got a lot mm. of examples tonight of guys not going, well, we better change what we're what we planned. Yeah, we'll get into that later though. Marvelosity is set up by Mark Merrow. Curiously, Al Snow is in the center of the ring, and knowing Mark Merrow's uh, vertical leap, I'm like, you're not going to be hitting this. Al rolls out of the way. But Mero was a good two feet short of yeah, where he was. He didn't need to roll out of the way. He could have stayed where he was. That would have been hilarious if he just stayed there. Like, <laughs> you know, he missed anyway. Al Snow lifts up his knee um, a bit early as well. Mm. I remember. He lifts his knee up. And then uh, he's obviously because Mero is supposed to jump. Mero hesitates. He lifts up his knee. And then, you know, it kind of is. Oh, Al Snow is not real. It kind of broke out from yeah, him. Yeah. yeah. We got a ending sequence comes then where... Meryl picks up snow for the TKO, and there's a very strange. It's a it's a it's a visual paradigm of sorts. I don't know what it is, but Mark Meryl is not a small man. Mm. He's he's six foot two, you know, maybe two hundred two fifty pounds. He's a he's a prototypical wrestler. But any time he picks up a man of any size, no matter how small or big the man is, if he puts him on his shoulders for the TKO, Mark Merrill automatically looks like a midget. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he looks like a really small, like little, you know, he looks like, you know, if you're Toad in Mario 2 and you pick up a giant, you know, 
mushroom or something like that, <laughs> or a big big turnip. He looks so tiny, and he doesn't hit the TKO, obviously. Of course. Al Snow reverses it into the snowplow. Al wins. Uh, uh, the, the one good thing about this is at the end of the match, we get this brilliant little image of, you know, Al's gone off celebrating, and Miro's left in the ring by himself, and Jacqueline's there helping him up. And his pants that he keeps pulling up throughout oh, the match, yeah. they start sliding down a little bit, and, he just, and Jacqueline's there like, Jesus, Mark, come on, just like trying to help him. <laughs> he's, got, he's got red undies on. Yeah, he's a proper slop of a man. Poor Miro. Last singles match, actually last match of Miro on the podcast. <sighs> Take a breath. That you know is, what they say? That's a nice feeling. <laughs> the night is darkest before the dawn. <laughs> <laughs> Cut backstage to a recap on Sunday Night Heat where Austin, who was being denied access to the locker room to change with the boys by the Stooges, and he has to change in the referee's locker room. So they take him around and it's, it's like a tool shed. Degrade. <laughs> and all the referees are like in there they're going... <laughs> yeah, he's certainly been humbled now. It's like the smoking area in the IT crowd or something like that. It's <laughs> yeah. just like the most tragic place ever. Here's a big one coming up now, guys. Boy, hell of a match. Yep. Disciples of the Apocalypse taking on the Legion of Doom. Six-man tag. <sighs> Ellering's with DOA and Dross is with LOD as well. So we get Ellering is not known for being an in-ring competitor, making, I believe, his first and last appearance in a WWF ring. So, uh, interesting off the bat. We got Draws coming out with the LOD, and Draws, you know, as Billy was wearing full uh, Legion of Doom gear. Yeah. He's earned his wings. He's, he's earned a, his a, wings. an official member. Um, doesn't, doesn't suit him, because they're quite big dudes, and he's a, quite a smaller dude. Oh, I so, disagree. I think he looks I don't like the think most it works, But it also makes me slightly annoyed that they still have no fucking clue what they're doing with Draws. I suppose he, at least he, Draws has kind of gotten a bit of an angle here now going into this match, and people have been asking for ages if we're going to talk about. Now it seems the most appropriate time, because I believe this is one of the Legion of Doom's last, if not their last, kind of featured match with a proper storyline on the podcast series. It's the last we'll see at DOA anyway. So, let's talk about it now. Hawk's Personal Demons storyline. Billy, how aware are you or unaware are you of the whole Hawk has personal demons storyline? As far as I know, is uh, I think you've told me before that he has he, he likes a drink. <laughs> he's, um, a, he's a thirsty man. He likes a, he likes a drink. He's 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 thirsty, but for only a certain type of liquid. Hard liquid. Yeah. That is like, perhaps been fermented. Sorry. He loves vodka, right? <laughs> so how you described it there is like how like a social worker would describe a father <laughs> being a violent alcoholic <laughs> to a four-year-old bright-eyed child. So, okay, yeah. Now, the extent of it being a shoot or not, like, I mean, Hawk did have real life, you know, drug problems and drink problems. Everyone in the, I mean, him and everyone else in the 80s, like, I mean, this is the... This is the, the era where, like, according to Bret Hart's book, they, like, Flair and Piper had a king-size bed in a hotel. They took the mattress off and just covered the bed in cocaine. And the, the entire roster just rubbed their face up against it. Like, <laughs> like cats and hu- catnip. Hungry, hungry hippos, like. <laughs> Except all the balls are white, like. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I, I wasn't... Sh- I've never been sure if, like, Hawk was just particularly bad. But he, he was part of that era, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. But... Needless to say, they brought it into a storyline. Now, as we know, for the past few months of the podcast, Leeds are doing anytime they're showing up, they're kind of, you know... Kind of kind of, kind of ruin everything. Yeah, they're being made out to be kind of, like, they've, they've hung around too long. They're, they're yeah. old horses, as Paul Ellering would yeah. say himself. <laughs> but what the, the storyline they're doing here now is that Draws is the young upstart, and Draws has been teaming with the Leeds of Doom now and then, and he, in Animal, is uh, kind of seeing Draws as being more valuable than Hawk, because Hawk is just... 
he's a couple of steps behind. And it started when Ellering and uh, DOA were, they had like an animal laid down on the on the ramp. There's only the fucking attitude there. They had an animal laid down on the ramp and like Ellering was revving up a bike. Like, he was going to fucking run over him. <laughs> like something out of full throttle or Sons of Anarchy or something like that. So he's revving up and you're kind of like, hey, where's Hawk like? And he's revving up for ages and Hawk finally comes out and like he's kind of looks a bit like, oh, sorry, I'm late there, pal. And they're like, hey, what's, what's going on here? Wiping his lips away. Uh, yeah, the first the first red flag is kind of uh, is is slightly unveiled here in terms. But as it comes out in the next coming weeks on on Raw, Hawk becomes to quote a comedian I love, uh, Maria Bamford, he becomes a flag factory that makes nothing but giant red flags. <laughs> it begins when Hawk comes out visibly drunk slash pilled out of his mind. He's uh. kind of going all like, eh, yeah, he's just a little out there. They try to wrestle the match, and he's just on the on the apron, kind of going. You know, rubbing his face and, and I was like what are you doing bro you don't take pills till after the show bro you know all this kind of <laughs> all this kind of stuff so you know you're getting the sense that yes they're gonna go all in on this and at the same time Draws is picking up victories and he's kind of looking good in the eyes so of, he's the replacement he's, he's the replacement now in this match we're talking about here Draws is officially the second member and uh, Hawk has been sorry, relegated to being the alternate for the Legion of Doom so he's not even the, the oh, main really? guy right, okay. so he has to prove himself but after this we got his problems got worse the the most ridiculous of which everyone talks about the time trauma we'll talk about that at the moment but the, the most ridiculous and my favourite one is Legion of Doom come out and they're like kind of it's like alright Legion of Doom here we go Monday Night Raw I'm going to kick some ass big match coming up here Fireworks all going off. It's like, and Jim Ross like, it's the Legion of Doom. And all coming out. They're coming out with their, you know, their biker helmets, all yep. this shit on. You can see Hawks hat is not properly because it's it's wibbling quicker than D'Lo Brown like during a <laughs> European title match and all of a sudden he just falls over when the, the fireworks go off he falls over his hat falls off and he rolls all down the titantron and Jim Ross is just like oh for Jesus sake cut to commercial <laughs> <laughs> like his alcoholism has ruined the show <laughs> he's become the shop master <laughs> <laughs> so you come back for Rada and he's like in the ring and Jim Ross is like oh he shouldn't be wrestling like the kind of doing like as a shoot because Jim Ross is head of talent and all this stuff and then we get to the inevitable thing which is you know draws starts replacing hawk all the time hawk becomes despondent starts showing up dancing with the oddities you know wearing oh. wearing his zuba is oh, like you're better than that drawing his makeup on all wrong just stumbling around the place complete absolute fool is made out of him and the ending of the angle comes when hawk basically threatens to commit suicide he's on top of the uh he's on top of the titantron and he's like, yeah, you know, no one, you know, I'm no good anymore. Everyone thinks I'm a screw up. I'm going to show you what it's all about. This is not good. Get easy up there. Get up. Hey, get the hell away, please. You're the last person I want up here. Get away. It's all right, brother. Hold on, come on now. Be careful up there. Stay hey, let Draws help you. Hold on. Fall. Mike, Mike, be careful. Do Don't move. And he draws in the animal command, like, oh no, don't do it, man. And like, even Ellering comes out, he's like, oh, you know, you're an old horse, I'll kill you or get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're all together a nice guy, don't, you know, don't jump. Draws goes up, up the scaffold or whatever, and he's like, don't you come up here, don't you come up here. And, you know, Draws looks like he's out to reach out his hand. 
but draws clearly pushes him. He goes behind the Titan Tron. They use they use special effects to make it look like there's a shadow falling behind the Titan Tron. Right. Okay. And I'm just like, ah! you know, because from their perspective and the live audience perspective, a man has died. A man has died. And the commentators, like you know, they use the you know the the serious kind of the voice of like you know we've witnessed you know tragedy here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I, I don't know what to say. You know, and the, everyone's silent, quiet. All of these. <laughs> Sable comes out and I was like, yay, Sable! <laughs> On with the show! Now, I do believe Hawk comes back several months later and reveals that Draws was the pusher man, figuratively and literally. In fact, he pushed drugs on him and then he uh, also pushed, pushed him, him death. physically right. off, you know, both in abstract and... Uh, <laughs> what a clever usage of the word there. Clever usage of the word there. And I think, you know... LOD reunite with Ellering down the road, but it's again they're on heat and metal. It's yeah. it's the end of it, and it doesn't matter. You know, Hawk Hawk coming back and kind of outing draws as being you know a, a drug guy. It, it didn't like it didn't wasn't like yay Hawk has got his revenge. It's just like mate, you fell off the Titan Tron. And yeah, he, he was. I loved Hawk. You know, I'm gonna say it's the last time we're gonna chat about these guys. Legion of Doom in the 80s. I mean, I only saw it through DVD compilations. A lot of maybe stuff with the Four Horsemen stuff. I'm a big fan of Legion of Doom. In the in the eighties, so just this is just as low as you sad. can go. A yeah. sad ending. It was very sad, and I couldn't help but wonder, like, would they not have been better cutting their losses and going to like WCW or even ECW or somewhere where they could have just not? <sighs> what, I they... could have seen them doing all right at ECW. Yeah, because the you know, ECW knew how to kind of if they had like a legend come in just to use them seldomly and make them seem like a big deal. Yeah, but here it's just. Do you think this is the case that they're doing this because they're like, well, if we don't do this, we're not on TV, kind of? I, do you think that is it? I hope not, because that's a really sad situation to be in, really. And there's I a mean, Legion of Doom, they're like one of the biggest tag teams They in the should world. have more pride, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah. Like, so much is talked about what the attitude was like, you know, backstage during this, uh, you know, during this era and like everyone's mindset. But was it in such a sense that like guys like this had to think that they had to humble themselves to this extent you know because yeah. I mean no one surely was going to go to Hawk on oh look at Hawk you know he's a 20 year veteran but he wouldn't jump off the Titan Tron in a fake story you know suicide storyline he doesn't want to do business no one was going to do that yeah surely. Uh, a ridiculous storyline like that no one would actually you know begrudge you for turning it down no. would they it's it's sad it really really it's is it's made even sadder by the fact that Hawk's grown his hair out and he's put on a little bit of weight Animal in this story we get back to the match now Animal is a fucking street shark here he's a big burly he looks even bigger than the last few uh, pay-per-views we've seen him Animal is massive but Hawk is like clearly like just let himself go he, he looks yeah. ridiculous you know he looks like Tommy Dreamer with face paint on at this point actually his ordinary <laughs> hair and you know he's putting a little bit of weight yeah it's, it's weird to think that's Hawk from is that not Warriors. a little insult to Tommy Dreamer <laughs> how, how? Tommy, Tommy Dreamer Dream- is good yeah he's I know, good, but, I think but he's not that- the most athletic man I'm not insulting mm. Tommy Dreamer I, I think we're, we're coming from the perspective of if you've seen any of the road warriors in like the 80s they were like fucking 0% body fat like they were like literal human machines like they were like the peak of how big you could possibly be it was scary and yeah I mean it was interesting I read an interview with Heyman there recently which he did back in like 93 or 94 and he was asked kind of hypothetically oh if you were to start your own promotion which he clearly was about to do at the time Mm. he was like oh who would you who would you pick from WCW and WWF and he picked some guys you wouldn't think of like you know he picked Austin at the time and you know Sting and and, uh, Rick Rude but one of his number one guy he said was Hawk because he thought that Hawk was the greatest uh, untapped potential ever. Because he thought that Hawk had, you know, he'd climbed the mountain in terms of tag teams. He'd done everything. They were the biggest tag team ever. Arguably, are the biggest tag team ever. 
but he never had his singles run. But he could have. He thought Heyman thought. Yeah. Uh, and I, in fairness, if Paul Heyman thinks you can do it, you probably pro- can. You probably can. So that's sad knowing that. Then oh. it is. And again, you know, here's the, here's. I suppose this is as logical point as anyway as any in the, in the timeline to have this this chat. I suppose you know. But this match, not not. Uh, it's not exactly. Uh, it's not exactly memorable or good. It met my shit. expectations. It is exactly how I expected it yeah. to be. The only kind of tangible in this match was obviously the presence of Ellering. He doesn't really do anything in the match. Uh, <laughs> I've just remembered actually Ellering. His shirt says "The Web" on yes. the front and "The Net" on the back. I know. And I, a shame this storyline didn't get off to a you know a, didn't do better because I was want Ellering more my time to explain what the yeah. fuck he's on about. Like, what was his obsession with the internet? I would love to know. Do you think like? Ellering is there in his ranch, you know, whatever, back home in province, sitting on the internet, like, askjeeves.com. He's like, ah! <laughs> The web, the internet, like. I can bid for two items on eBay with only one account. Ellering, he, he tags in only briefly at one point, but he's kind of like, he, he just does, throws two punches and then he's out straight Pretty away. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Ellering could have been a wrestler. He's looking at him. The look he yeah, has. Yeah. What, when he hasn't got his glasses on, the eye, the uh, look at the eyes of Paul Ellering in this <laughs> match. And he's again, as we said before, he's jacked. He's a little short, but he's you short, know. but he's muscly. Yeah, he's a little Goldberg. Yeah, that's he could have had like the the uh, the short man syndrome. That would have been like his little character, I guess. And you know, just be a scrappy little guy who's like, because he looks fucking mean. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, but he's short. So he'd be like Joe Pesci in Home Alone or something. Again, we're saying he's short. He's in the ring with you know LOD and DOA, who are like two of the tallest teams there could be. True. So, yeah. I mean, you know, by today's standards, he's He's probably uh, you know relatively tall. Actually, I figured out what Ellering does look like here because he's bald. He's got the little mustachey thing going on. He's he's little you know plucking all that. You know in uh, Wario Land when you get hit and you go small. Oh, you become little Wario. Little Wario. Yeah. That's what Paul Ellering. He's Paul like Ellering. little Wario. If he eats garlic, he'll turn into one of the DOA. You know. That's <laughs> so uh, also as well the DOA. <laughs> a point I've always wanted to make. I can't help but feel if Sons of Anarchy was on TV in the 90s that these gentlemen would have been held to task for their very, frankly, poor portrayal of biking characters. They're the most vague bikers, aren't they? What do they stand for? What do they do? Titan bikes, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And, And when they come out as well, the silence... The pure yeah, sound. Well, yeah. All you hear is just the, the echoes around the arena of these bikes slowly rumbling. trundling into the ring. It's, it's so awkward when they Horrible. come in. Lee to Doom pretty much kick ass in this match. Uh, it seems like Hawk is, you know, he's not he's not messed up in the match. He's all focused, which is like a first for mm. like a few weeks uh, on on Raw or whatever. And they do the devastation device. They kill one of the uh, one of the Harris twins, but then instead of hawking in the pin, draws runs in straight away and yeah, he steals it. The Hulk pin. looks all pissed off, and rightfully he should be because Hawk is like, oh, you know, prove myself, and uh, draws comes in here and steals my my heat. I need a drink. <laughs> I need some of my special Tic Tacs. Shot in a brew, Shelley. Oh. Keep him coming. <laughs> so that's that. Yeah, and you know what? I will say here, I like the whole kind of you know uh, veteran tag team with the rookie outshining one of the guys. It's a really cool story. Simple. Could have worked. Didn't need the man falling off a Titan Tron. Didn't need the, the bogus drugs and drink storyline. It yes. was actually... It would have good, been... Good concept done really badly. Yeah. Unfortunately. It would have been an effective use of this group. And I think Draws would have gotten over better as kind of a guy who's you know willing to, to do what it takes to get himself over as opposed to a man who's a murderer. Yeah. yeah. And a drug addict. That's a shame. That's what happened. Is that is that like on the Trivial Pursuit questionnaire? <laughs> Who murdered Hawk? Who's the pusher man? <laughs> well, that's the end of the Legion of Doom. Uh, final thoughts on the DOA and the Legion of Doom, guys. 
Good riddance. Yeah. Jesus. Good, good riddance. Couldn't give a shit. Really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you guys seen any of uh, LOD from the 80s? No. I have. For some reason, I decided to watch the LOD documentary one day. And it was <laughs> so boring. It's just animal going around like, here's the gym we used to work out in. Yeah, we used to get people saying we look really tough all the time. It was like the really most dull documentary ever. But they looked like a good team. Yeah, they were. And I think their best stuff... Um, I'd say go check out you know maybe OSW review episodes to hear about the things they're doing, but their best stuff was it would have been like before they were in WWE. Uh, the Four Horsemen documentary is like shows a good bit about the Legion of Doom, just like how crazy they were. And actually as well, I point out Chicago. We're in Chicago. This is the Legion of Doom's. This is their hometown. Oh really? It's like the fact that we have a, a silent Legion of Doom match here is just <sighs> it's just crazy because anytime there's a Legion of Doom outing in Chicago there was always LOD chance it was like it's the done thing yeah. WrestleMania 22 in Chicago everyone was chanting LOD though. like that was awesome but not here not here and I suppose it, it's just it's a shame I suppose it's happy we can, be, we can be happy that it ends here so they have a bit of chance for them to recoup some of the mystique so that you know when they go into the Hall of Fame and years or whatever people don't no one remembers this true thing. yeah it's one of those like things where I think they they must feel so ashamed of themselves looking back in that yeah. story yeah. considering that Hawk died you know because of his, his problems yeah. it's, it's sickening anyway moving on now it's light heavyweight championship action Christian making his in-ring debut we saw him appear on camera for the first time last month at Breakdown mm-hmm. taking on Taka Michinoku yes that's right he still has the light heavyweight belt Coming out with Yamaguchi-san. So, uh, yeah, I, one thing I want to talk about right off the bat, which we didn't mention before when we were talking about Gangrel, the Brood's music. We got so wrapped up in the oh, entrance, we forgot about the music. Amazing. Fucking awesome. <laughs> Jim Johnson, so cool. you've, done a, you've done a good thing here by yep. making this thing. It's awesome. So, yeah, Christian, his very first match, he's got a championship match. Although, the light heavyweight championship is in probably less than salubrious. Uh, I had prestige. forgotten all about it. When yeah. was the last time we saw it? Was it actually WrestleMania? The actual belt. Insane. He came out with the belt of King of the Ring. But I mean, last time it was on the line at a pay per view. Oh, last time the line was pay per view would have been WrestleMania 15. Jesus. Now, he's defended it on Heat a few times. but Heat? But I mean, like. If he, again, he, he came out at SummerSlam. He didn't have Taka didn't have the belt. How are people meant to remember it even exists? Now, again, from the the old AOL chat thing we talked about before, Vince is clearly not a fan of light heavyweight championship matches or light heavyweights for that matter. But you know, Christian has been revealed as being Edge's estranged brother, and he's now aligned himself with uh, Gangrel. So I don't know if that actually has any immediate ramifications. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it. I mean, in a light heavyweight title match, I doubt that issue is going to really come up it's and affect us. Right now. Yeah. First thing we mentioned from Christian, that shirt. Good lord. Yeah. Nice puffy shirt there would make Jerry Seinfeld blush. <laughs> well, you got to wear it now. All those stores are stocking it based on the condition that you're going to wear this on the TV show. The factory in New Jersey is already making them. They're making these? <laughs> yes, yes. This pirate trend that she's come up with, Jerry, this this is going to be the new look for the 90s. You're going to be the first pirate. Well, I don't want to be a pirate. <laughs> a, a beautiful thing. And also, Gangrel looks fucking delighted yes, all throughout he does. this. He's, you said before he looked too happy. He is jolly here. He I is definitely jolly. <laughs> uh, we're greeted with a, uh, a sign as well. I'm surprised oh, yes. it's, uh, all right, yeah, this, this is amazing. This is crazy. Uh, Paget is a pedophile sign. Right on the hard camera for a good three to four seconds. Um, yeah, it literally fills the entire frame. The guy with the sign actually holds it right in front of the camera and it fills the whole screen. It actually, it's during Taka's entrance, so Taka actually, it seems, emerges from behind the sign <laughs> saying Paget is a pedophile. We did a quick search last night in Google to find out who Paget was. 
It's no one of note. Just uh, someone's mate, obviously. But yeah. if, if it's some, you know, cultural thing that we're, we're not aware of, give us a tweet. Yeah. Help uncover the mystery of the Judgment Day pedophile. Let us know. <laughs> the Judgment Day <laughs> pedophile. That's what they call them. Everyone in America, they love to name hurricanes and pedophiles. That's <laughs> what they do. You know what I'm saying? Tacker coming out now. Kind Tire no longer wearing the uh, the street punk gimmick clothes. They're wearing just regular civic. They're wearing regular wrestling gear now. Yeah, makes it look a little bit more legitimate, I suppose. Pretty awesome action, I have to say, from these guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good match. Not as polished, maybe, as some of the other light heavyweight stuff we'd seen with uh, with with Taka. Maybe that can be down to you know it being Christians first match or whatever crowd stinks though yeah I found ruins it, it it's it's a thing I have I remember a good friend of mine had like a got the Eddie Guerrero compilation DVD and he was full of all these awesome matches from like WCW and he's like oh man look at this match he has you know WCW and the match is amazing but I can't watch it because the crowd are just like complete silence the whole time mm. I need the crowd to be it even remotely atmosphere. it's yeah. like watching it's a film without music in it or something you know it you- is honestly and I, it made me, see, made, made me seem like a snob for like kind of being like oh I can't appreciate wrestling unless there's someone cheering but if the crowd are noticeably just not making it no yeah the crowd is totally part of the match I think so you know they need to put in the effort to actually cheer when something exciting happens I, don't I know, but they, the last two matches were dog shit. Yeah, but they're getting gold here. You yeah, know, they're yeah. getting really. This is still getting... only the third match on the pay per view as well. Yeah. It's not like they've sat through hours of crap. And if anything, I think it throws the guys because I mean, you got this real technical display that's happening and all these quick counters, and the crowd aren't even. They don't have the courtesy to go ooh. I'd feel guilty as sin if I was sat there watching this without cheering because I'd feel like that's just a sign of disrespect because they're putting yeah. on a good match. No, it's yeah. true. The one issue I do have with the match here is though, and you can hopefully fill us in on this because you know sure more thing. about the Raws. Who are we meant to root for here? Because uh, Kai and Ty are heels, but the Brood, the way they're represented, it seems like they're supposed to be heels as no, well. No, Brood aren't deaf. No, Brood and Edge, I wouldn't class either. Edge is kind of a face. Edge is face, I'd say, yeah. The Brood aren't. No, the Brood aren't heels. Gangrel is kind of is a face. They're kind of mysterious and whatnot. He's a jolly old vampire. They're definitely tweeners. They're, they haven't done real dastardly stuff. There's nothing going on on Raw that makes No, them I mean, right. Edge okay. and Gangrel have been attacking each other, but both guys have like, been given as good as they've gotten. It's not as if they're like you know have an unfair advantage or anything. Or, yeah. but again you know it's hard for it to, to be heat in this match you know because again this is our what our second of three matches and yeah. there's no story really yeah. going into it it's a bit of a shame so we get um, again we get a lot of cool technical manoeuvres Taka busts out some sweet dives to the outside yeah, yeah. Uh, Taka Michinoku I think I will go on record as he's probably one of the most like completely underrated guys because I know we talk about maybe D'Lo and stuff like that but D'Lo gets featured matches on every pay-per-view uh, Taka rarely if ever gets any sort of featured spot and he's probably pound for pound one of the best wrestlers they have at the time yeah. I would agree um, yeah. I think he's really really shockingly underrated and the fact that he stays around as long as he does because he's here till like 2001 it's a good sport I mean it's only downhill from here you know yeah. it's like, and that's a shame to know that you've got this great wrestler and he's going to be involved in some like just we're never going to see him flourish are we not yeah. really uh, which is it's a, it's, a, it's a damn shame we've got a nice little conversation between Jerry and JR uh, in which uh, Jerry says I'd like to see more uh, Brian Christopher but which no one else does and then uh, JR responds with haven't you got any baby pictures <laughs> to what with uh, Jerry trying to keep up the pretense that him and Brian are, are not, not related, related because, yeah. what are you talking about? As if he's, uh, J- uh, JL's just suggested something very heinous about their relationship. And Jerry Lawler is used to denying heinous accusations. Yeah. So here we go again. <laughs> I, I think it's around the same time as that conversation. About 35 minutes into the pay-per-view, Taka climbs onto the turnbuckle. This is not the grunt of the night. I'll it's just not say. the grunt of the night. But this is just a funny thing he does. He climbs the turnbuckle, then looks at the fans and goes... Hey! Just a, um, ah! <laughs> 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 
So wait, that is a recent grunt of the night. That's not the grunt of the night. That's just something else that happened. Okay, but that is a good. That's a that's a contender for a grunt of the night if there mm. ever was one. And funny you mentioned that though, though Billy, because that was actually during conversation where Jim Ross is like. Hey, a lot of people, myself included, think that the light heavyweights should get you know featured more. Yeah, but I think he's a lone man pissing Try, in the wind there, trying, trying to, to send a message, blessing, but uh, it's going to fall on deaf ears, I think. Well, I mean, what Jr. I mean, he's you know head of talent at the time, you mm. know, so well, he's done all he could do. He's hired loads of cruiserweights. Yeah. I suppose he must just be pissed off, considering you know he scouted these guys, he hired these guys. It's a slap in the face to him, yeah. And was I don't know, Christian Christian reversed the Michinoki driver to to pick up the win here, and the reversal was a little bit. Yeah bit of a botchy win but Christian wins the belt in his first match but he can't help but not feel if you're Christian kind of going I'm really being given a red herring here like this is yeah. like in your first match to win a belt that is basically got like you know it's meaningless don't be on pay-per-view stamped on the front of it like yeah. I, I would be you know that's the worst circumstances to win a belt but you know it's not as if you know Christian winning it ushers in a new era for the light heavyweight belt it gets worse I'm sure things will be okay for Christian though Christian gets on fine. Yeah. Uh, if anything, he, he grows the belt very, very quickly. So, But I can't think of many guys who win gold in their very first match. That's a difficult one to think of. Carlito, I believe, won the US belt in his very first match. You're more of the expert here. I can't but, think of a single I mean, other. This is a, this is a job for a Facebook page with like 40,000 likes and people who know trivia more than... <laughs> <laughs> I toast my hands of this trivia. Okay, we're moving on now to our next match. Uh, sorry, we should point out for the for the, for the the record, this is a match-heavy pay-per-view. Nine matches Fucking in total. matches out the wazoo. Yeah. yeah. So many matches. And so few that are good. I know. Mm. Val Venus taking on the returning Goldust. You know, though he was saying that he is coming all this time. Well, he wasn't Jesus. It was Goldust. Yeah, so. Dustin Reynolds has finally embraced the hate. <laughs> <laughs> you wore a wig and gold robe. Not even I would stoop that low, John. <laughs> so we get a promo package, and normally we're very we're the promo packages are very over with us here. Yeah. We, we love the promo. Exact same promo package. Lazy, yeah. lazy editing. Exact same one, but they they tack on a little previously on Raw bit mm. at the end. They don't even use the same music. And it's not even edited. The bit on the end is basically just, they showed like three minutes of a match from Raw. It's well, I got confused. I thought... You would put in the I breakdown th- instead of I thought, the I wrong DVD. I, I thought that when they showed the, the, that just three minutes of a match, yeah. I thought the match had started. So I, <laughs> I had started writing notes down oh, for, the fi- for the match which had already happened. So then the match started and I had to like, get rid of a load of stuff. Yeah, well, we got very confusing. We saw a nice little uh, bit on Heat where he's playing mind games. You see to uh, get to Val now. Goldus is kind of the face here, firmly, and mm. Val is now firmly the heel, which helps the story makes so much more astronomically. Sense. Yeah. And Goldus was playing mind games, obviously, with Val appearing on the Titan Tron, you know, talking all sexy. He's fighting perversion with perversion, but we cut to Heat where he leaves a little present for Val at commentary, who was doing a guest spot, and it was a gold cup. Because he was threatening, he as was in a protective, a cup protective for cup for his uh, for his junk. Because Goldust started doing shattered dreams on uh, Val Venus, which is putting the two legs, butterflying them, like you would an Ando's chicken in the corner, and then <laughs> a, a stiff punt uh, to the dick. And depending on who's writing the show that week, it either ends in a DQ or a three count. <laughs> so I'm, I'd say I'm kind of excited for this match. Uh, Val comes out to cut his usual shtick, but he gets cut off. A lot of emotion listen, surrounding listen, this I love match. This part right here, Jr. Hello, Nate. Hello, Val. Uh-oh. It's showtime. 
Well, the, the mind games continue. <laughs> finally make some noise they go crazy for Goldust Goldust gets I'm not lying I'd say one of the the, the, the top three pops of the night yeah. up there with Stone Cold yeah. up there with Austin The Rock uh, Goldust just gets a mega pop Yeah. and you know we had only seen artists formerly known as Goldust going into this uh, you know beforehand of the podcast so it's nice actually I think everyone in the crowd is just happy to see the real the Goldust because Goldust, yeah. that was a great fucking character I think Yeah. Uh, you know and they'd only scratched the surface beforehand so uh, yeah, I mean they start off the match like real hot, you know. I've said before, I think we were we were we were fans of both wrestlers in the previous match in uh, it's breakdown. Just the match was confused. It's just that the match was confused because we didn't really have a, a clear cut good guy bad guy. Yeah. But here now you, you get all the kind of, like you can see Goldus has his wedding ring on at one point. Yeah. You know, Goldus is really fired up like and he's really trying to get into You want him to win head. as well. And Val now you can see there's moments in the match where Val is kind of like, you know, shit is this woman Terry is she worth all this uh, is she worth <laughs> me getting kicked in the dick basically yeah. which yeah. I think is really funny because Terry is ambivalent to it so this has blossomed into uh, one of the more interesting storylines actually yeah. we've got yeah. going at the moment really there's a sign now I, I did talk to Adam about this sign um, I don't know entirely what the sign says okay because <sighs> this sign. because Goldust <laughs> because Goldust for, for most match he covers up the end right. of the uh, of the sign and this sign is from a guy in the front row. These guys had signs the whole night, if yeah. you recall. They were and, taking them out at like a rate of knots. And this guy on the front row lifted up this sign slightly, just just so it's over. You can just see what it is, but you can't see the end of it because Gold is in front of it. Right. Pete is a nig. Whoa, what the hell? That That's what I saw. Sorry, are you telling me then, in, within the space of ten minutes in this broadcast, we've gotten Paget is a pedophile and, sorry... Pete is a nig. Come on! Now I, it it could go on to something completely innocent, but it is at the same chart time the Attitude Era, so it's safe to assume what re- word was possibly how, written on. How there. did this like? How the, did I get in? The like, edit team, like yeah. I mean, what? Okay, live pay per view, rowdy fans. I accept. You know, we had a Cena has clap sign on Raw recently. Yeah, I accept. You know, on live TV, I think it's amazing that they can get any reaction shots from the crowd, but kind of pre-screening them all. But on a um, this is this is a DVD release. Yeah. I mean, that should have been edited out. Like, yeah, they had another one as well, didn't they? That said something like uh, Val Venus penetrates uh, penetrates Chicago, and it's like the world's biggest sign. It took up like almost the entire side of the ring because it was like six guys holding it. Bunch of, bunch, of, bunch of racists go, let's get some signs let's head down you know <laughs> then straight after that we get another Austin 316 parody sign where it was Terry 469 Sable has lost her luster yep. that's gimmick infringement <laughs> oh my god Crazy. we also get um, Jerry uh, brings up the, uh, the sex tape between Terry and uh, the preacher's Val. wife and uh, Jerry says oh the vi- that video is a good one then JR says that hands down one of the creepiest things I hear him, uh, I've ever heard him say he says Jerry says that video was a good one JR goes oh yes 
<laughs> JR getting in on the fact that uh, is a sexy, sexy video. Jim Ross has a copy of the tape, obviously. Yeah, really yeah. creepy. That is really horrible. JR, yeah. what are you thinking? JR keeps saying things like, Val has a deliberate pace, he's in control, he's on top of things. Stop using words that can be misconstrued sexily. And yeah, but Jerry the King Lawler isn't quite as effective with using like subtle innuendo. He's just saying things like, size does matter, you know, and just you know, being blatant. Val Venus has got a really big dick. <laughs> <laughs> Goldust, uh, I'd say we were talking about artist formula you know, as Goldust before. He looked really stupid and, you know, his, gim- his gimmick attire looked really bad. This is probably my favorite incarnation of Goldust's uh, outfit. He looks really awesome here, I think. With yeah, the, the, oh, yeah, the really flax perfect. sleeves and the gold. Uh, yeah, all, all of his limbs are black like a superhero. Yeah, really cool. Badass. He looks like a Ferrero Rocher. The ambassador's receptions are noted in society for their host's exquisite taste. Oh, Ferrero Rocher. Delicious. Mm. Excellente. Monsieur, with this Rocher, you're really spoiling us. Ferrero Rocher. A sign of good taste. <laughs> yes, he does. So now we've established what a great outfit is. You've just ruined it forever, <laughs> Mr. Russo. With these mid-card feuds, you truly are spoiling us. Come on. This big break last week. Had <laughs> a Chuckle Brothers reference the week before. All I'm saying is, if I, I think I'm on a, one, I'm a one-man gang here in terms of I'm single-handedly trying to bring back. 90s afternoon television by any chance so, yeah, mid, mid 90s Saturday afternoon TV I'm trying to bring that back as a whole you know and I think and what a better medium than the Attitude wrestling, Era podcast than a wrestling podcast hey, you what know, about I mean, the Attitude Era mate that's the yeah. 90s people saying save British wrestling it's easier to save the ads that played in between British wrestling <laughs> so, let's focus on what we can Just achieve on YouTube, for, you know. get back to the match <laughs> I must say you know, the action is really good and really good. Yeah. we got a very sick stairs spot at one point with Val if you recall he flapped Jack's right oh yeah very Oof. very amazing they they actually turned the crowd around yeah. so it's not a case that these fans don't want to be here I think it's the case that maybe put the extra effort in to get them on your side yeah so this is cool they I did, they really amped things up here to, to get the credit in uh, Goldust uh, I have to say those uppercuts he does you know he drops on the back and just goes boom like oh that. yeah and I think it's I, I think Bossman does it as well I think when you've got the, the leather gloves or whatever and you do uppercuts you can make a big the kind snappy of sound. snapping sound, sound yeah. yeah it's really really good I thought Goldust is uh, again another really underrated uh, wrestler like all rounder really and we got another sign that says bring back the goon <laughs> Don't bring back the goon. <laughs> and just so we're clear, I, I would consider that sign on par with the previous two we had issues. <laughs> <laughs> bring back the goon. What an insult. <laughs> we get Terry coming up, and she, like, it's very strange. It's like she doesn't even try to, like, distract Goldust in a, in a way that will, it's for Val's advantage. She just, she sees the wedding ring, and then she just starts going after Goldust. Referee gets distracted, Goldust punts Val Venus. Right up his dick. Yeah, right is up there. Real like proper punt kick. Mark Miro, take note. That's how you hit a man in the dick. Yeah, right there. Right there. It literally it sa- it sounds the noise is just it's it's fantastic. <laughs> and Val Venus literally sells it. He sells it like he's been kicked in the dick. Like you know, I mean, it's it's quite amazing. Goldust wins. Great, great match. I yeah. have to say, awesome, really, really like, good natural match. conclusion as well. You yeah, know, it wasn't by, too long. wasn't too short. It, it was, was like you know the thing of like the hero started off by having everything taken away from him by Val Venus. Then he comes back as a new reformed version of himself. Yeah, and then he finds out Val Venus's weakness, which is obviously his dick. His dick, and he uses yeah. that to defeat him. So it's like the perfect fairy tale. He should have worn the cup. 
He should have yeah. won the cup. Gold just gave him the cup to, you know, his advice. He's like, mate, you're going to need this. Gold is like the Riddler, isn't he? Like, he's showing his hand. <laughs> Next night, Raw Val will come out with a little bag of ice on his willy and uh, tell tell Terry to get to stepping because he doesn't need, like, kind of. I'm a porn star, mate. I don't want to be kicked in the dick all the time, you know. So. I need this for my work. I so don't need your baggage. Terry goes off, but, you know, there's a few other disgruntled ladies at the moment in the Royal Wrestling Federation, so this will all get uh, brought to the forefront within a few months. Great. Yay! <laughs> but again, you know, I think they, they really turned this dude around. I have to say they did a good job. One thing to say, we're cutting backstage here, but we get the, the graphics. Graphics of this pay-per-view... Very bad. The oh, missile. We've yeah. mentioned this so far off. Yeah, it's like it's a missile a, launch. It's kind of like that at uh, the level in um, in Goldeneye in the silo. Oh yeah. Uh, you just kind of get a missile that says World Wrestling Federation. Like, Shit. 3D graphics. Really awful. Really bad. Cole discusses the Triple H situation. That, that's right, Jr. It all started on Sunday Night Heat when Triple H was forced to turn over the Intercontinental Championship to the new champion Ken Shamrock. After he turned the championship over, Triple H left the ring. And he said he had two words for Shamrock, and I guess you know what those two words are. Then in the backstage area, this happened. Words exchanged between Ken Shamrock and Triple H. Let's take a look. What is it? What is it? Just wait till I get off these stretches. Wait. Hell! Go him. Go him. How do you like that? Do it. In an update now on the condition of Triple H, he's been taken to a local hospital, his injured knee re-injured. He is in serious condition at a local hospital. Triple H having the knee re-injured. I just want to say something. Ken Shamrock, I don't know what your problem is, pal. You've been a real jack-off lately, but tomorrow you'll be dealt with. Tonight, D'Lo Brown, your ass is mine, and the European title is going around my waist. That's all I got to say, Michael. Back to inside. Triple H has been injured since SummerSlam. You have, what is it, 30 days to defend the belt, I think is the uh, yeah, kayfabe yeah. thing. So Vince was, you know, because Vince has been in a proper bad mood with, you know, everything going on with Austin and Kane the Undertaker and whatnot. So Vince was like, all right, I'm stripping you of the belt right now before you have a chance to defend it. Held a very short tournament to crown a new champion. And Shamrock, basically, it was almost fixed for Shamrock to win. He, like, you know, X-Pac was, was injured before the match. Shamrock was, like, taking advantage. So yeah. Shamrock has, has gotten the uh, the belt now. But we cut to heat where <laughs> Triple H was like, you know, he had to give the belt to Shamrock in the ring in a, in a ceremony. And he's going back into his car and then Shamrock just runs out of nowhere and attacks him like yeah, yeah he probably wrecks the car door as well with his bare hands I mean scary man I prefer Shamrock as a face but I just love the fact that he's so unhinged like yeah. he's proper well he has that He well he's, he's obviously a very angry man you would be angry if you grew up on the streets yeah um, but like he carries anger yeah it's, 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 it looks uh, like he's about to explode at any yeah. point like, you know. he's, he's explosive rage which he just you know he can tap into yeah. and then just go you know completely mental seething now Shamrock he maybe didn't get the big push after King of the Ring that we thought he would but going on this next several few months now Shamrock is basically like he's, he's going to be on every show he's going to wrestle yeah. nearly all the time he's, he's very much a solid I'm really, player I'm, like. I'm really liking Shamrock at the moment yeah he's, he's, he's real real good you know it's a shame he didn't kind of do more after the Attitude Era but X-Pac cuts a promo on Ken Shamrock to build up for his match with D'Lo Brown he goes Ken Shamrock what you did is unthinkable I'm going to get my revenge on you D'Lo Brown I'm Going you <laughs> one thing at a time, yeah. So Dilo Brown taking on X Pac again for the European title, and again the roles have been reversed. Dilo has won the belt back on Raw, on Raw, okay. and they had another great match. But again, the the European title 
going back to WrestleMania was wouldn't I would say on par with the Intercontinental Belt, but it wouldn't have been it considered close. it wouldn't be considered a belt that was thrown around all the time, considering it was a belt that had been held by basically by Shawn Michaels, British Bulldog, Triple H. Triple big, H had it for quite a yeah, while as well. Uh, own heart, you know, big names. Yeah. Uh, but now it's just, you know, I think they may have unwittingly, even though they put on great matches, D'Lo and Xbox may have unwittingly devalued the title. There was here. no need to have it go back and forth. You can still have those great matches without having to have the title change hands every single time. Yeah. It's silly. Again, attitude era. If you're given your love of of DQ finishes, yeah, you think yeah. by having the belt change clean so many times. But anyway, uh, D'Lo is so fucking charismatic when he comes out. Yeah, here. where's he from? This, this Milan? Milan, Italy. Milan, Milan, Italy. Yeah, Milan, Italy. And he looks straight into the camera this time, holds up the belt, and he literally just shakes his head. Back Back and forth, like Nearly over and over, doesn't it? Uh, Adam, you vined that, I believe. Yeah, check out our vine on Twitter. You can see a little six-second montage of D'Lo shaking his head thoroughly well. X-Pac heads out again. He's dressed up as Red Pac, but he's with China. China, who's now sporting new breast implants. Hey. D- didn't notice. But yeah, you know, China, as I said before, she, like, Triple H had been injured. She used this time to, to get plastic surgery, I think. In, I mean... We will start over the next few months. China basically looks completely different by the time we come to WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, by the end of the Attitude Era, China's yeah. completely different. But places. I'm saying even by the end of WrestleMania, as I say, in six months, she's jaw restructured, you know, oh, nose really? jaw, That's breast it. implants. Yeah, this is the beginning of it now, but a major, major work uh, underwork, underway here. Xbox, very stiff at the kicks at the start. Yes. Very, very stiff. Very stiff at the kicks. And uh, D'Lo and Xbox get involved in a little bit of a back and forth sequence. And at the end, D'Lo just, with an uncharacteristic clothesline from D'Lo, he just, boom. Bradshaw yeah. quality clothesline. Yeah, I think that was a, re- I think here's your receipt, like, yeah. Yeah. messing with the real deal now. <laughs> but uh, D'Lo Bryant has got tight saying European champion, which leads me to believe if he loses the match, must he take his jocks off? It's a little presumptuous of him, isn't it? A so, little you know, bit I'm so confident in this belt that I have lost, got back and lost before in the past that I'm going to get some pants that say it this time. It's just like, you know, he loses the match and sad music plays and just slowly takes his pants off, <laughs> throws them over his shoulder and walks with his hands on his hips to the back like, you know? <laughs> uh, we get Bronco Buster reversal early on in the match, yep. which mm-hmm. uh, I thought was amazing because it's basically D'Lo put his foot out to catch Xbox right in the tummy. Yeah. But the camera angle you saw that, Adam, you didn't think it was... I- I didn't catch the reversal because the camera angle just made it look like X-Pac bounced off of him you know I couldn't really tell what was going on force field <laughs> some real great action here from these guys again it's 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 a different match to the match they had before maybe mm. one thing I noticed about D'Lo I mean we've, we've just gushed about him so much there's little to speak about now in terms of D'Lo his rest holes in this are really fucking great he knows how to make them look sore yeah. doesn't he yeah because I mean when you're using a rest hold and it literally is just like kind of okay catching my breath I'm leaning on you where my hands are just barely draped you know, D'Lo's got the knee right in the back he's, he's mouthing it, off it's meant to hurt so yeah it yeah. makes it look like it does hurt and again D'Lo well over with the crowd yeah. mm. you know big big into him uh, China clocks D'Lo and we were really worried at this point that D'Lo was going to get pinned for the 1-2-3 oh, if it ended there that would have sucked yeah but uh, ref gets knocked out and of course that's your cue it's time for a big Mizark <laughs> <laughs> I feel like because you know Mark it's his, it's a weekly thing isn't it like here he comes Mark Henry yeah. you think he would have gotten in shape with all the running to the ring <laughs> D'Lo if you're going to take out that referee you better knock him out real good because it's going to take me a good two and a half minutes to get out there <laughs> <laughs> so and actually when Mark comes out we're talking now he started the sexual chocolate gimmick here, oh yeah and he's basically he's been trying to since SummerSlam make it out like that him and China are, are, are kind of going out he's saying China's my girlfriend and China was like oh I have nothing to do with you it's weird and now he's suing China for, for sexual harassment. 
I th- I think it's so funny. I don't yeah. know. I'm watching the Raws. It's just because Mark is like he's not a great performer at this point. He's amazing now, obviously. Um, you know, retirement speech recently. Oh yeah. You know, but back then he's kind of stumbling over his words a little bit. He's a little nervous, but now he's like kind of you know he's he's saying he's going to sue China for sexual harassment. See, the, the only trouble is though, because you get that because you watch the Raws when you just watch mm. the pay per view like this. All, all you really know Mark Henry for is just running out and interfering. That's true. Although yeah. he does tell a poem later on tonight. In he the does, ring. but he yes, actually he is uh, he's licking his lips when he comes out, which is quite disgusting. <laughs> Uh, D'Lo hits X-Pac with the belt we get a kick out a really good kick out D'Lo goes for the running powerbomb again and I feel the finish was meant to be that X-Pac reversed the running powerbomb into an X-Factor. X-Factor but they both slip and fall yeah. look at each other for a bit and then they do the spot from a match on Raw which is D'Lo dives off and gets caught with the yeah. X-Factor for the pay-per-view audience I'm sure that's fine but it was very much an obvious case of uh oh fuck that up better do another one shame Shame. Good match, though, all the same. Yeah, good match. match. Another good match from these guys. So, you know, X-Pac is European champion again. Yeah. Does, that, th- does that mean anything? Uh, all the thing I can say is I do believe this is near the end of the D-Lo X-Pac, uh, you know, best of, best of 20 series. What, like, or what are they even fighting about? Just European the European title. It was originally Nation and DX. Uh, yeah. Nation is, is all but gone, is, is basically gone. The Nation is just, you know, D-Lo and Mark now. Um... But yeah, basically, it's, it started as that, and then it just kind of became heated rivalry over two young guys over a, over a mid-card belt. Yeah. I mean, I can't really get sick of it, because it's not as if the story is taking silly turns. It's just they're no, having great matches. It's a straightforward story, yeah. The, the story going in is like, damn it, you bet me last time, I want to beat you again this time. I think, you know, that's that's all the story I need, to be honest, uh, for this kind of match. Cut backstage to Mickey Cole, who mentions that the mysteriously disappeared until recently Paul Bearer is about in the arena. I think as soon as this was mentioned, your ears picked up. At oh yeah, really intriguing. I'm a big fan of Paul Bearer. You guys happy to see Paul Bearer uh, potentially back? Yep. Sorely missed the last few months, definitely. But then, the only thing is, when I heard that Paul Bearer was in the arena, I thought, oh brilliant, Paul Bearer. Wait a second. Does this mean they're going to start doing the whose side is he on thing <laughs> again? Because I'm pretty sure that's where it's going. Yeah. Well, anyway, headbangers appear. I know what you're thinking. What? Headbangers appearing on pay-per-view. There's a rumor floating around backstage, courtesy of WWF.com. Now, we stress this is only a rumor. But Paul Bearer was seen, apparently, going into the Undertaker's locker room. Again, this is only a rumor. We hope to get some information from Paul Bearer a bit later. We got something to say to the New Age Outlaws. (laughs) Road Dog. You trashed our boombox with your face. Now we can't listen to our Marilyn Manson CDs backwards. And speaking of backwards, Billy Gunn, you country bumpkin, we got two words for you. You suck! Right. And speaking of rockabilly, what's up with that hairdo? And you guys are supposed to be the tag team champions. The only thing you're tag teaming is each other. You guys sit around all night in the locker room and put each other, put each other over all you want. Because tonight, you're doing the J-O-B on the P-P-V. <laughs> Let's go. Cut a strange promo. Last time we saw the Headbangers, they were at SummerSlam helping out DX. They inexplicably turned heel on the uh, Outlaws by hitting them with a boombox. And now they want their tag title. I will say now, I hate the headbangers more than I hate the New Age Outlaws. There we go. There yeah, we that's go. Yeah, that's something, the, something the, we can agree this on. This little promo is just casually throwing Marilyn Manson references. Yeah, mm. they've clearly never listened to a Marilyn Manson. Thank you. And the, and the other, what was what was the other line? It's like, and talk about rockabilly. What's up with the hair, Road Dog? It's like no one gives a shit. Fuck yeah. off. 
they did a number of things which which are like for me like black marks against the headbangers you know number one as you said they're clearly not in, I mean they clearly have never listened to a heavy metal CD nah. in their life their guys just you know went down to the shop and bought a couple of it's so not it's a hot genuine. topic and yeah. picked up a Marilyn yeah. Manson t-shirt if you had a headbangers gimmick in something like ECW you better fucking bet Heyman would have put guys who actually listen oh, to yeah. that music these guys clearly are not into it so it's you know I mean difficult and the number two the one I hate more than fucking anything is when they were going uh, oh you think you're going to go over tonight you guys are always backstage talking you're putting yourselves over and you're going to do the J-O-B tonight on the page we're going over don't you know, use terminology like fucking that fucking carnies like you know you're not you know come on let's 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 pretend can we at least have a little bit of the magic of wrestling where we can pretend it's real you know and you know people people can kind of go oh you know he's just you know using it as a knowing wink they say it at least three or four times here and again at the end of the day if, I mean if Michael Cole was to go to him go putting himself over what does that mean you know come on you know you've, you've put you yourself in a position yeah. where you, you are completely fucked yourself like, over the thing that gets me the most as well they clearly think that they're the fucking best thing in the world they're charismatic oh, yeah. they're, charism- they're, they're, they're decent enough wrestlers and they're charismatic guys but I think you know it's just it's a miscast gimmick and again as heels they're clearly of no. I wouldn't even argue they're charismatic to be honest with you I didn't like this promo it's like oh yeah the New Age Outlaws the only thing they're tag teaming is they're tag teaming each other in the <laughs> locker room <laughs> shut up you children go away they're, they're, here's the thing which I, which I thought was <laughs> now to pick apart the logic of the headbangers argument they're upset with the New Age Outlaws because they themselves broke their own boombox over the road dog's head there's only one person to blame here now schoolyard rules here, kind of. You don't come up to me and give, you know, you don't come up to me and give out that you've eaten all your sandwiches <laughs> in, in little break, and now you've nothing to eat for big break. You know, big break. It's only a game. I know, no, that was I'm talking. <laughs> in in primary school in Ireland, it was there was a little break, yeah, and there was say. a big break. break. Just on, yeah. Jim Davison <laughs> Let, let's just leave it Jim let's... Davison didn't do a tight five while I was eating my cheese treats is all I'm saying we have a match to get to yeah. I'd rather talk about Jim Davison I would honestly, <laughs> honestly. Like, Road Dog comes out to do his, his or whole spiel uh, he gets interrupted then I was thrown into a little uh, a little quandary in my head as of good Road Dog has been interrupted I don't lo- like Road Dog headbangers are coming out I don't like headbangers either. I don't like headbangers. I'm going to go outside and shoot myself. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a good thing that they jumped the gun here and you know kicked off you know and cut them off real quick like mm. that because you need to get kicked right into this match because it's high octane. It'll be over in oh I don't know fucking twenty minutes or so <laughs> long. Jesus Christ! It was Seriously, just, guys. I've seen King of Trios tournament finals end sooner than this. This seems like the longest drawn out match. Ever. One it's of the few crazy. notes I have here about the match is that I noticed about halfway through there was a guy in front row just walking around with a big cardboard box. And for the rest of the match, I was just watching this guy thinking, is he going to open that box? I, I really want, I want to know what's inside that cardboard box. Now, you can either have the washer and dryer where the lovely Smithers is standing, or you can trade it all in for what's in this box. The box. The box. Uh, the, the outlaws don't do anything either. They're, like, they're, they're not like good in this match either. I, well, they, I mean, the outlaws are worked over for the whole match. I mean, it's not their fault. It's the fact that the match is in two parts. The first half of the match is Road Dog gets worked over to Makes build up a hot, hot tag, tag for Billy yeah. Gunn. Then Billy Gunn comes in and he gets cut off halfway through his, his comeback. And then they work over him for a bit. And then you know, Road Dog's meant to come in. The problem is, is that... And it, it's down to the referee as well, to be honest. But the main problem with this match is the headbangers just come in willy-nilly. They don't tag. They just wander around. 
they're trying to do the whole kind of oh tight heel tag team that's you know quick tags you, you know going behind the rest back mm. but it's sloppy as hell it's like Tim White is just standing there and the two guys are just choking him in the corner half the time it's and they're like, not doing a good job of building to the hot tag yeah. either because you know the whole thing is you might have let Billy Gunn sort of get close to the corner and, and then pull him back, back again. Yeah. Just, yeah, they're not doing that they're just beating him up for ages and it's so dull there's a lot of ambient noise because the fans like the, the outlaws and they're, they, send, they start entertaining themselves by chanting suck it with Road Dog yeah. like, they're not even paying attention to what's going on in the match like it's a it's a bit of a shame uh, one quick thing I'd say I would be thankful for is that the Headbangers have been doing a long drawn out parody of Road Dog's speech on the Raws leading up to this where they've come out with little toy foam belts and they would do like you know ladies and gentlemen you know boys and girls but it would be like losers and jerks uh, dorks of all ages you know real kind of fucking say by the bell bully kind of yeah. spiel from them and instead of saying they got, well you got two words for you you suck Ugh. fuck's sake you know what I think I think you guys bite <laughs> headbangers are bogus <laughs> outlaws disqualify themselves and something they keep the belts that's the important part road dog literally Shin Ross says road dog can't stand it anymore and around the 20 minute mark he just batters one of them over the head with a boombox no yeah. one can DQs stand it anymore DQs himself yeah. and the crowd go mild Jim Ross makes sure to note that it's not a JVC boombox which is their sponsor at the time <laughs> and he's saying that a JVC boombox would not break so <laughs> kids if you're at home with your JVC boombox give your cousin Owen a bit of a whack on the head with it and see if it'll break or not look at that build quality <laughs> That's JVC for you. You can't even see the dent of his skull. <laughs> Good idea to have the DQ finish as well. Keep the keep the headbangers protected. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't for, want them to get crooked. For, their, for that run, they're going to they're going to put a lot of asses in seats down the road. Cut back to Michael Cole. <laughs> in the, when the, the outlaws win, and they go, still the tag team champions, the New Age Outlaws, and it's like, yeah, they're celebrating. Then Billy Gunn grabs the mic. He's like, and if you're not down with the New Age Outlaws, cut to Michael Cole with his hands and his hips going. Looking really intense yeah. into the camera. And then like, uh-oh, quickly cut back to Billy Gunn going, <laughs> suck it! Then back to Michael Cole uh, again. Cole addresses the bear situation again. And then we get a debut on the podcast, one I've been hotly anticipating. One of the all-time great superstars and wrestlers of the Attitude Era, Mr. Socko! Woo! Mr. Socko comes out with Mankind to discuss, amongst other things, Ken Shamrock's promo abilities. <laughs> Mankind and I, I guess Sako, a brutal matchup tonight expected against Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh, it's gonna be brutal, all right. See, you don't know anything about brutal, Mr. Sako. Oh, I sure do. I've watched Ken Shamrock's interviews, and believe me, they are brutal. No, the truth is, Shamrock's interviews may be the second leading decision in teenage suicide, but I've got to give the devil his due. He knows his holds, but i got news for you, Michael Cole. If he thinks he's going to get Mankind or Mr. Sacco to submit to the ankle lock submission, well, he's got another thing coming. And I think Mr. Sacco's been a little kinky. What kind of underwear are you wearing these days? What are you, a genetic freak? What kind of underwear are you wearing? Not white like Vince McMahon. Not those cute blue ones like Ken Shamrock. Let go of me, you burner! Let go! Mr. Sacco's wearing black tonight. Open up and say, ah, Shamrock, and have a nice day! <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love this. He called uh, Ken Shamrock interviews the second leading... Second leading reason behind teen suicide yeah. in America. Yeah. <laughs> Strong that one. <laughs> Strong there. And uh, yeah, I thought he... it was being sad. What? The, the, the lead cause, just being sad. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> 
being sad. Swing and a miss. What I like about this is that uh, Foley starts talking like you know as to Mr. Sacco and as Mr. Sacco. He stopped doing that like later on in two thousand. I love when he's like kind of go, "What do you think, Mr. Sacco?" He's like, "I think that you're the <laughs> And he's like, "Hey, what colored panties you got on, Mr. Sacco?" And he takes off the sock and he's got the black tape on, which is you know what he's mandible have, claw, the mandible claw, and he's so- promising Shamrock that you know he's going to get the mandible claw tonight. Yeah, even though it's just a sock, uh, sock puppet, he he's really giving it a personality. Oh yeah, like it's shouting like when he's asking it about his underwear, it's like calling him a pervert and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's People good. Love it's great. Mr. Socko. He's uh, got his own little character. It's, it's, it's like, and the sock is well, like it because you know he pulls it the side now. It's always like a real clean white cotton sock. Yeah. This thing is the most filthy manga. Oh, this is. Be- I think this is before he started using multiple socks. It was- yeah, I think this is like they held on to this sock for one a, true socko for a while. Yeah. yeah, I think it was mentioned in For All Mankind. It was only after people started complaining. That, oh yeah, about the that, hygiene. He, 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 <laughs> meant, he mentions that there was one. Um, there's one wrestler who refused to take the mandible claw and it's hinted at but not deliberately said but it's Al Snow if I'm correct <laughs> no, he's put worse things in his mouth <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd be we'd be remiss not to talk about the debut of Mr. Socko as we said Vince had gotten his ankle crushed by Kane and the Undertaker because yeah. you know he, he you know he he'd put them against each other in the match, and they're mm. like, you know, Vince, you know, don't you try any more screwy stuff. And as they're turning away, he, he gives him the fingers with his with his eyes closed, like real kind of you motherfucker, like <laughs> the most defiant fingers ever. But of course, Kane and Taker see it on the time trial, <laughs> and they turn around and like they they knock Vince down, they just bring him over to the steps, and they crush like they hit one steps off the other. It was real gruesome, and Vince yeah. is like, ah, it was like the most physically hurt Vince had gotten since you know he'd become a character so Vince again in hospital Mankind who even though he's a face Mankind still thinks Vince has got his best his interest in yeah. he's his friend so he goes to visit him in the hospital to uh, help him out everyone um, knows this segment I know. It's, it's, if you it's, haven't it's, seen it you have to see it it's, it's brilliant incredibly, it's one of the most famous it, yeah one of the most so famous good. segments you haven't watched it Yerple really the Clown of course makes her <laughs> <laughs> Uh, your favourite line that one though Adam is, oh uh, yeah it's because um, Vince is just, is it the point now where Mankind's pissed him off so much Vince is just sat there looking really miserable with a frown on his face and Mick just gets one of those little party blowers gets right in his face and goes <laughs> Vince just goes damn it leave <laughs> like he's about to cry fantastic yeah so we get Sokka now for for the next couple you know for the, basically the rest of the podcast I yeah the rest of the yeah, Sokka make an appearance you could tell as well a lot of Sokka signs in the crowd people Fucking hell. love him yeah yeah I mean I think they were smart for them to like almost immediately kind of go okay this is over use it and you know I think this is like the nicest thing they could have given Mick after the rough couple of months he's had now you've got a, something that's going to give you a massive pop every single match yeah. and yeah. you don't have to break your knees do you exactly know? yeah I'm so what I love even more is that a sock is more over than either DOA or LOD <laughs> <laughs> it's a very good point they've got a lot more history actually, than the sock, like, actually there's a couple of people on the card of this of, on this pay per view who are deemed so much lower than a sock yeah, <laughs> it's true it's Miro uh, DOA R- rightfully so with Mark Miro yeah right? yeah Everyone. No, that's 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 very much true. Mankind needs some new music, I say, when he's coming out. Still doesn't the, work anymore. Doesn't work the you know for his character now. This is kind of we need that that guitar riff coming out here yeah. shortly enough. So we got Shamrock coming out. Icy Bell. Shamrock is kind of obsessed with wanting to you know make Mankind submit. It's a challenge from. He's proper in the zone tonight, Adam. Um, honestly, I, again, this is not the grunt of the night. This has just happened to be a particularly shouty night for wrestling. You're building up to this grunt of the night, man. Better yeah, than... honestly, it's literally just that Shamrock, I pissed myself so much when he did it because he does the thing where he hits himself in the head and goes, or whatever. 
<laughs> this one, literally, please put it just right here, Kevin. Just goes. It's horrible. He's scary. Really blood curdling. He looks like he's about to explode again. <laughs> it's just we get a lot of uh, wrestling spots at the start, and you know a lot of takedowns or whatever. I think the whole idea is that. Ken is trying to like you know he thinks that Foley is just a brawler so he's going to try and out wrestle him but Foley oh I've got a few wrestling tricks of my own however at the start we do get a lot of rolling around kind of a cat fight spot yeah uh, was a bit awkward I don't know I actually like that because it does like sort of has a bit of ring psychology to it you know Shamrock's trying to do a lot of ground game because he thinks I'll be an effective Foley can actually Foley. like wrestle on the ground but yeah, yeah but Foley because he did amateur wrestling in school and stuff you know he's mm. wrestling his way out of it so I think from a psychological point of view that was kind of nifty yeah, that's true we get the uh, Hurricane Rana takeover from Shamrock early on on like Foley which is. That's a dangerous move there, let me tell you. Like, I don't know yeah. if I'm so hot, I'm so hot on him using that. Like, we head to the outside, and straight away it's kind of like mankind's zone is what they're putting over now. So he starts to take advantage a little bit. But we get some, I don't know. What do you guys think of this bit here? It's like Shamrock, you know, and Foley get a chair, and they basically hit each other with the chair a couple of times, and they're they're blatantly in re- and the yeah. ref is like one, two, yeah. nice chair shot, three, four, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm, uh, it really pisses me off that kind of thing there are times when they can kind of do the whole kind of oh the referee's using his discretion here folks because if it's like it's a real heated feud and he thinks oh, I'm not going to count these guys out you can kind of forgive mm. that it's, it doesn't feel like they should be kind of waving off chair shots no a, a big chair shot to the head you can't just you know no. eh, I didn't see that big logic gap really yeah. Yeah. isn't it you know uh, Foley takes a lot of hits he gets, yeah. uh, gets power bombed onto the stairs yeah. and I, it looks so painful right onto that bad knee as well yeah. Uh, yeah, whips him right into it. And we had actually just been talking while we were watching this, me and Adam, about kind of, oh, you know, six stair spots, and that was, you know, kind of mankind. Anytime he goes into those stairs, it looks like it yeah, hurts. Yeah, and that did look painful. After we get back into the ring, after this kind of outside brawl, I really find that we just get a lot of uh, a lot of rest spots, a lot of rest holes. Yeah, mm. it really knows And half the time it's kind of like, okay, Ken's working over the leg for the ankle up, but the other half of the time it's kind of, you know, he's just got a chin lock on because, you know, they need need a bit of time yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if it's a case that one of them, you know, if, if it's fully gassed because they're doing all this kind of heavy mat work or whatever, but... I would assume that's all it is, but this pay-per-view mm. has just been so heavy on rest holes in almost all the matches has been rest holds given that we've got a shitty crowd this is not this this is not the way to not go not the place to do that kind of thing you know Mankind you know, does a spot where he rips his own hair out at one point though I think that's really yeah. cool like mm. it's it's amazing but the end comes when Ankle Lock gets locked in but again this is one of the most fucking Vince Russo crazy ass finishes ever even though he claims he's that's never booked amazing. a finish I, I, I suspect Vince Russo's uh, hand is in this Shamrock applies the ankle lock. Foley is like screaming, you know, gets to the ropes. Shamrock pulls him back. Foley like realizes he can't get to the ropes anymore. He's screaming in pain, refuses to quit, applies the mandible claw to himself and passes out. Love that ending. Do you? Yeah, I I love love it. it. I think it's amazing. Wait, are you not a fan of that? It makes no sense. Why? Because you can't willingly apply a nerve hold to yourself like that. It's wrestling, Kevin. I know, but still, that's just like you can't... Now, to me, the, the reason I love it is because, you know, obviously the ankle lock's a big scary move, but Mick Foley's so tough, the only thing that can make him pass out is his own finishing move. I think that's a really cool way to end the match. I think I just know, I did a year of physiology in uni, I just know too much about the nervous system for oh, me Oh, you, you're getting too <laughs> far into it now. <laughs> I know too much about the nervous system for me to be kind of like, you know, there, there's like, there's, there's checks in the body to stop yourself from actually... You'd be absolutely fine them. if you're doing media degrees like me and Adam. <laughs> yeah, we can just ignore that and just enjoy the ending for what it was. Yeah, Foley's touches himself in the chin and his heart explodes or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I mean, I it's I get it's it's smart though. I, I get you know it's yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a cool nice way. And what I like, I suppose, the one thing I love at the ending is that Finkel goes the winner of the match 
as a result of the Mandible Claw, would they never say the never, name? Ever, with, and this time, ever. and Ken's like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Ken is proper upset that you know this has happened. Ken wins though, keeps yeah, his yeah, Intercontinental Championship. Ken attacks the ref afterwards, and Jim Ross is you know kind of oh he's gonna he's gonna lose some dollars for that one. I love the way the consistency of his character though. Just think that WrestleMania 14, same thing. You know he's pissed yeah, off, yeah, screwy officiating. Ken Shamrock is just a, an angry man who's a is a legit shoot fighter who's just pissed off all the time yeah. and it's just he does he's never said I'm going to be a hero yeah, or I'm going to be face a villain or heel. he's he's consistent and you don't get that consistency fucking these days you know I have to say Mr. Sako then comes out though afterwards and we actually get the debut of Sako you know with the Sako claw I'd say it was awesome oh, yeah. crowd erupts for that yeah, really crowd cool. loves it so there you go. Head backstage once again with Mickey Cole and the big boss man makes Yay. his debut. Fucking love me some boss yeah. man. I'm happy to see him. Take place up. There's no one unauthorized crews back here. What do you think you're going to do? Just come and knock on the most important man in wrestling's door and he's going to come out here and talk to you? Well, all this crap right here is handled through me now. I am the law, order, and justice of the World Wrestling Federation. I'm here to enforce McMahon's law. So take your little scraggly crew out of here before I take this big black nightstick and shove it up your ass so you'll know what hard times is all about. I said get out of here. Very yeah. happy to see him. What he goes on to do later on, we yeah. are all He's looking forward to. Goes on to do, mate. He only gives birth to all three members of the Shield. <laughs> <laughs> he, he hatches a big black egg. <laughs> something to say, Jr. I hope China's listening to this because I'm going to dedicate this poem to China. A poem. Now, last week. I asked for a chance, but everybody knows I love you long before the implants. <laughs> but now I'm wondering why you keep me waiting. Every place I've ever been and every place I've ever seen, I watch the sun rise. And one day I hope to see my sun rise in your eyes. Oh my daughter, it doesn't matter. All we need is to be together. Children are so much a blessing. This is what my heart's confessing. God will show you from above the many ways I express my love. Where do I go when we speak? I don't know, but there's only peace. But I just have to ask, why do you keep me waiting? Wow, that was beautiful. He just makes that up as he goes along. It's right from his heart. Take a smell of that. Repulsive. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? His opponent, from Miami, Florida, weighing 275 pounds, He actually, Henry actually mentions China's boob job in the, uh, in the in the lyrics of his own poem, and I have to couldn't have a feel, that's the only time anyone is like kind of hey she's got a boob job. It's like whoa, that is not appropriate, Mark, for you to say. Does it anyway? Does it anyway? By his own rules. And fair, I mean, I feel bad for the Rock. I mean, this is obviously meant to elevate Henry, but all you can feel is that it's taken the Rock down several notches. Oh, rock, it has, the Rock has admittedly just been lost a little bit in the shuffle the last month because you know with the Austin Kane Undertaker McMahon storyline, there's been no kind of 
Where, where's his title shot? Do you think yeah. that he'll be the next... He's the number one contender, for God's sake. It's been a month. And the belt has been vacated. He's the number one contender. It's, that makes so much sense for him. He should, be, he should be He should. Be the, be given the belt. I mean, that's just... I can imagine I... Rock fans at the time were all really pissed off that mm. you know, he was being put with Mark Definitely. Henry. But, yeah, I mean, the Mark Henry promo at the start, I mean... It was hardly Kane Dewey, like I mean. Yeah. yeah. What, what can you say, really? He's he's stumbled over his words again. I just I kind of I like the innocence of the whole Mark Henry gimmick at the, at the time. You know, him mm. kind of thinking China's his girl and all that. But it's just you know, don't take the rock down with this kind of comedy shit. He doesn't belong here. Let him do it with someone else. Very very basic match. Yeah, I I of the actual match, I wrote nothing. I wrote in my notes. I wrote an impressive. I, it was suplex. it was four minutes long. Yeah, I thought it was short actually. Yeah, four minutes. It that's, was. That's the one good thing. Is at least it's a. Honestly, short. it was like a match you would see at like kind of a new show with like a big guy starting out. It, honestly, it looked like it was Mark's first match in this. I mean, I'll, I'll be legitimate there. It seemed so fucking basic. Mm. Uh, but what can you do? I mean, Jr. Is just talking about how the nation is kaput. Uh, you know, he actually says kaput. <laughs> kaput. kaput. We got you know, Henry and Delo had actually attacked the Rock, you know, um, in on Raw to basically officially split up the nation. We don't even see Owen on the pay per view. We don't see Godfather oh, yeah, on the pay per view. Yeah. Why don't we do see Owen? We do see a very oh, small glimpse very of Owen later on. Yeah. later on. But I was saying to you last time, yeah, um, Mark wins this match by he splashes the Rock and Delo holds the Rock's foot down. Delo comes out. The Rock loses to yeah. Mark Henry. And uh, again, how to Henry. bury the rock in four minutes and after Mark Henry no sold the people's elbow as yeah, well yeah it's stupid again it's like kind of you, th- you go in with the best of intentions let's elevate Mark Henry to get him up to maybe with D-Lo's elbow and instead all you did was take a lot of the shine off the rock yeah very 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 foolish uh, I thought this this whole dealy here then but uh, I would much imagine rock I mean uh, rock versus own heart owns in the nation He's not, been cool. he's not doing anything. That would have been really cool. He's fucking better than Mark. Like, come on, you know. I mean, but anyway, the crowd is once again thoroughly dead, like properly dead, and we're going into the main event now. The Rock just stands in the ring, just looking kind of fuck. Then he does people's eyebrow, and then he's like fuck. <laughs> then he does another people's eyebrow, and he's like fuck. And <laughs> um, we head into right into the main event, main yeah. event time. Everyone's on fire, ready for the main event. Yeah. Not really. Nope. You know. Now, what brought us all to this dance? It's the WWF Championship. It will be The Undertaker and Kane. They are brothers. They will go one-on-one for the WWF title. But yes, the wild card is the referee. You're right. And he has got a huge weight on his shoulders. He's either going to have to humble himself the easy way and raise the hand of the new champion, or he's going to be fired on the spot by Mr. Vince McMahon. Here's a closer look at the rivals. It all started after you lost the WWF title. Make your life a living hell. McMahon's 
other, you can bet your ass that the only hand Stone Steve Austin is going to hold up is my own. If you don't raise the hand of the new World Wrestling Federation champion, I promise you, I guarantee you, Austin, I will fire, fire, fire your ass. Fire. You ain't got the boss to fire Stone Cold Steve Austin. You will be humbled. Easy way. Fantastic promo as package always, as yeah. always. Really psyched up for it. You really get the sense of like Austin is in this kind of no win situation. You know, yeah. it's it's really cool. I like what they're what they're doing here. And again, we have this issue though where we, we feel like the focus isn't on the match. People are gonna want to see what happens after the match and will Austin get fired. So you've got a main event where everyone is sitting on their hands waiting for something to happen. Waiting for the end of the match. Waiting for the end of the match. Yeah. And that is bad when you've got two tweeners facing off with Kane and the Undertaker, which is not it's just not wise really. And the I only suppose. guy that's gonna get cheered is the referee. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. We get the entrances for Kane and the Undertaker, and maybe it's just because they there's a little the camera work is a little bit better. I, again, I don't know if it's because we were watching this with the lights off and we got all psyched up in the zone, yeah. but these legitimately seem like the two best entrances for Kane and the Undertaker ever. The they they, they epitomise yeah. them, don't they? It's perfect. When Taker comes out and the fireworks explode behind him, the pace is just electric. Yeah. It's so amazing. And they're squaring off, and right away, straight away when they're squaring off, you feel that WrestleMania 14 buzz again. Yeah. Austin comes out, pop of the night. Where referee change. I'm going to outright say right now because we all know where this is going. I think Austin was the redeeming, like you know, the one saving factor of this match. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah just because he was hilarious, like you know, just giving him the finger and refusing to count and goofing around. He starts off the match by patting him down and giving him both the fingers. Yeah. Like you know, Austin hadn't been wrestling much the last month. You know, Austin had been busy doing his uh, you know Grand Theft Auto stuff. <laughs> I suppose you might as well discuss quickly now. Zamboni, of course, was, yeah. was absolutely amazing. McMahon also got violated by Doctor Austin after uh, Mr. Sacco had appeared. Yep. Austin. Austin, uh, he, he pulled a Jean Parmesan once again. <laughs> Dressed up as a doctor. Dressed up as a doctor. And he's like, you know, I just, you know, got to take care of this nurse because I'm a professional wrestler. Ah, Steve! <laughs> Isn't he the best? So yeah, McMahon gets clocked with the bedpan, which is one of my favourite bits ever. Sounds so horrible. Apparently Austin had spent a good while in the hospital beforehand dinging himself in the head to see where the best the spot, spot was yeah. to get yeah. McMahon with it. Apparently uh, McMahon insisted Austin hit put the uh, catheter up his ass. He just of course thought, he did. He's a You freak. violated me, Austin! I'm damn sick and tired. Sick and tired. <laughs> of course, the cement truck as well. I fucking love this. McMahon, because McMahon was so paranoid about Kane, Undertaker, and... Uh, and Austin, he'd driven himself to the pay-per-view, sorry, to Raw, in his Corvette, parked it there, and he's like, you know, driving off in his little electric wheelchair. He spent the night with Mankind, you know, in his office on his own. McMahon had brought a big bin bag full of sweets and games. <laughs> <laughs> and he lasted around an hour before Vince was like, damn it, leave, you know. <laughs> and uh, Austin comes out driving a cement truck, pops the windows off the Corvette. Classic. Ruins the whole thing. Yeah. My favorite part is that uh, Jim Ross describes it as he's filling the Corvette full of cement. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you get when you uh, park your car in space number 22. 22! 22! Oh man! Unlucky number. Unlucky. Why me? Anyway, amazing entrances. Matt starts off. Bit of fire, bit of back and forth, and then it just becomes. It's a brick wall. 
Night of rest holes. Five minutes in, I remember seeing like Kane gets shoved into the corner and Undertaker just leans on the ropes and you can just see him going... What's like, up with them knackered. today? Taker's because real they've, off. Ha- they've had matches together and like... Obviously, you know, there's a couple of matches that weren't so great, such as uh, the Inferno match, but they've at least always kept up, kept up a certain... No, you're talking about pacing and The pacing and yeah, momentum. Definitely. They've, yeah, they've always kept up. The, the thing is, with the Inferno match, there was fucking flames. Yeah, so that's and exactly they did it. And, and they, they did that. Better there. They yeah. couldn't hear. I don't know what, what Ridiculous. It was. I know, there was something... Taker looked like just off. He, he looked just knackered. Like he looked off. Or, yeah. yeah. Austin, of course, you know, acts the dick now and then. You know, to you know, he does the fast two count for Kane and slow two count for Undertaker, and then he does it the other way around. It's that's all well and good, but the most of the match, Austin's just kind of standing there, and he looks real awkward. He looks bored, but he's kind of like well, looking he, at the crowd, kind Aust- of going, Austin, hey, Austin's a smart. Austin's a smart enough guy to know that this match has got like nothing at the moment. Mm. Yeah, so, and. I, Obviously, he doesn't handle it too great because if if you know, well, he doesn't want to make the match about he himself. Yeah, he doesn't does want to he? make the match about himself. But at the same time, he he needs he needed to do something, and he, and he didn't quite. Really reminds me of Lesnar Goldberg this match. Yeah, uh, again with Austin getting cheered as the referee. Again, a match where you've got two guys who the crowd are just not really. I mean, obviously for completely different reasons, but the crowd are just not into either of these men. On their own individually, and they're given a referee to cheer for it. it it's yeah, but why? Awkward. It's Undertaker and it's Kane. Because for the last two months they have been unified completely, and you know people were happy with them being you know teamed up together. And like you know McMahon saying you two are going to face off against each other as punishment. That's a raw angle. That's not pay per view main yeah. event. So at best they're tweeners. At worst they're heels. Mm. There's no heat there. I mean they've resolved their issues. They're fine. They're with each other. There's and like no you heat. said before, the real draw here is people want to see what happens after the match ends. Yeah. People don't really care about the match. They just want to fight. You know, get the match out of the way with so we can see what happens with Stone Cold afterwards. So yes, although they set up all wrong, we get boring chance in this. Boring match. chance. Yeah. Boring chance during. The pay-per-view that was led up to with three or four of the biggest moments of the Attitude Era. And again, this is something I just don't think you don't get when you're not watching it in order. I mean, we're watching this in order, even though we're realizing, actually, you know, it wasn't like boom, 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 everything was brilliant. It was yeah. like amazing, 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 oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. You know, they really misstep, and this is a massive this misstep. This is a big misstep. However, at two hours, 29 minutes and four seconds into the pay-per-view, we finally get the grunt of the night. Yes. Excellent. Kane throws, uh, no, sorry, Kane is thrown into the corner and Taker runs up to him, jumps into him and screams. Yo! Oh, Undertaker caught the arms of Kane! And yeah, it's just a really You yeah, used me, Skinner! <laughs> you yeah, used me! There's no such thing as Kane-toberfest. <laughs> Oh, oh man, that was uh, that was no. I have to say, there were so many grunts of the night. I watched this with Adam, and I was like turning to him, going, "Is this going to be grunts of the night?" Is this? <laughs> and uh, then we finally hit it here in I the think. main event. We get the appearance of Paul Bear. Intrigue at last. Yes. Yeah, he's Bear here. comes out, looking a little slightly different, if possible, looking fatter than before. Yeah, <laughs> hair's a bit darker. Got the mustache back. Comes up. He looks like he's about to uh, side up with Kane. But I, I, did it seem obvious to you what was happening here, Billy? I was watching Paul come out. And then slowly, slowly, very, very, very slowly, almost rolling. Um, <laughs> Vader's not in this one, all right. I've got, to, I've got yeah. to vent it out somehow. Um, so Paul comes, uh, comes out, and I was expecting, yeah, he's, he's, he's with Kane, but at the same time, they've done so much. Will they? Won't they? Yeah. Are they? Aren't they? I, I came out kind of expecting a swerve. I, I, I was it. it I didn't get the swerve until he got into the ring. As soon as he was in the ring, I was like, oh, I was going to have a swerve now. Yeah, yeah. 
It's and like the boy who cried wolf the actor doer, isn't it? Like, you know, sometimes you just, you've had so many things going back and forth in the past, you just, there's nothing, a swerve isn't it, like, you know, exciting and unexpected I anymore. I personally would like to have seen a promo earlier in the night from Paul Barry kind of saying, yeah. you know, I'll come out tonight or whatever. You know, just something to build it up, you know. Should yeah. have been on. Uh, what, what I will say, though, Paul Bearer's face before he hits Kane with the chair is amazing. Yeah. He's like pulling like a very scared and sort of like, because he, he knows instantly if he does this, Kane's going to turn against yeah, him. Yeah, definitely. And Kane's his son. Yeah. He's doing this as like, he's kind of doing it, you don't know from what perspective because I don't know what's going to come up, mm. but it's either from, I'm sorry, son, or I've got to do this. Yeah, somewhere. yeah. And it, that it's, it's, it, it's very nice because like we've said before in previous podcasts, you totally buy Paul Bearer yeah, as totally. Kane's father. Yeah, Kane's right. father. Well, this is... So you can imagine what's going through his head. Yeah, this yeah. And then no, Kane's this is a big betrayal. Is as well. Yeah. yeah. Kane just doesn't sell it and just turns around real slowly. He's so like, are you serious, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you really just hit me? And of course, it's it's not the immediate kind of joining of forces here, but what does happen on the basis of this is that Bearer has turned his back on Kane and is now it's he's brought relying himself with the Undertaker again okay the next night in Raw Undertaker comes out and promises there's like he's fully gone now there's no conscience of WWF there's no oh he's doing the right thing folks pure evil pure Finally. villain he has crossed that line we get his appearances become a lot more sporadic between now and say Wrestlemania because he's doing this whole thing now he says he's going to start a ministry of darkness those words are uttered the next night on Raw, however, they don't come to fruition for several months. So we actually have a very... It takes a while to make a ministry. Yeah, well, it's a very long-term storyline that the seeds get planted here, and it's nice that they actually, you know, follow through it. They don't hot-shot this angle. It's, you know, they keep Undertaker, you know, they keep him safe Good, for, for right. a while. Which I'm happy to see, to be honest. But yeah, Bear joins the Undertaker by, by betraying Kane. Austin picks up the chair, smacks Taker full force at him, hits him with a stunner, counts both men, and declares the winner of the match. And the winner of the match... Is Stone Cold Steve Austin. So fucking funny. We popped big for that. Yeah, I mean that that is the actual moment where the pay per view starts to pick up again. I think. Yeah. Is, you know, you get the result of the match, and this is where it gets good now. Vince McMahon is mad, made a promise to fire Steve Austin. Austin's like, "Where the hell are you, Vince?" Austin goes off to his little whistle stop tour the backstage area, including seeing Owen Hart. Little his, glimpse of him in the locker room, wearing his tennis outfit. Austin heads back out to the ring, and then Vince demands for the Titantron to be raised, where he's in the uh, executive box with, behind the screen. Behind the screen with Boss Man, who's now wearing a balaclava <laughs> and uh, a load of attack dogs. We're like. Rrr, rrr, rrr. <laughs> McMahon is like Austin you son of a bitch and straight away a big shirt a big smelly grey t-shirt whacks him right in the he looks so face. he looks so dejected he doesn't look angry or pissed off he's just like oh for fuck's sake it's so bleak uh, McMahon basically Austin goads McMahon into firing him he's like come on have you got the have you got the guts you son of a bitch yeah. and McMahon is kind of he seems a little hesitant because he doesn't want to fire Steve deep down you know yeah. he's just, he thinks it's a bad idea I would advise everyone here to get their cameras out and take a photo of that man because you're seeing the last of Stone Cold Steve Austin what? no Stone Cold Stone Cold screw you you're fired he did it first utterance of Vince McMahon doing the proper yeah. Vince McMahon and, you're fired and for a second Stone Cold seems surprised yeah he didn't think you'd do it there's like one or two through. seconds before he goes off again and, and starts shouting uh, shouting yards 
two seconds of him it looks a, a little bit of fear yeah it's a little bit and it's, it's the first time I've seen that look in Stone Cold's eyes yeah it's awesome Austin now declares the next night on Raw that hunting season uh, is open so even though Austin's unemployed he pops on his camouflage and heads to the arena anyway <laughs> and he goes hunting for Vince McMahon which shoot where, the place up which is where we get the famous Bang Bang 316 segment where right. Vince pisses himself oh, yeah. and Austin reveals that he's got a new five year contract that was signed by Shane McMahon no. who is now going to become an on-screen character in time Ace. for Survivor I'm Series excited for that. super excited to see Shane O'Mac on the podcast the one thing I did like about this uh, ending segment because obviously like you know when someone gets fired in WWE or whatever normally they're sad and they have to walk off or whatever or someone goes nah 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 yeah nah 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 walk off of your New York builder's lunchbox but, but <laughs> <laughs> bear in mind this is a man who has just lost his job like you know whenever you hear your friends say like you know their dad's lost a job or whatever mm. you never picture a man drinking beer in front of thousands of screaming people <laughs> cheering and shaking his head and then walking Jim, away Jim he's just like, lost his job and Jim Ross is like this is sad that man you know, that man you know, has a right to earn a living this is this dun, is dun, 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 dun. <laughs> it's like yeah you know job seekers must have been pretty good back then I suppose <laughs> like, you know. there you go judgment day that's it this ended up being uh, a long one I suppose but we had a lot of big angles to talk we about we talked more about Raw than I think we did about the hype I though. know but we kind of as I said we're, we're shifting gears a lot for the the big storyline that's coming up now Survivor Series is our next pay-per-view massive shift in the main storylines the, the landscape changes quite significantly so we're kind of this was maybe a little bit of growing pains and that we had a lot of Stuff shifting around and storylines being wrapped up in preparation for this. So the only thing to do now is ask you guys for your match of the night and MVP. Adam, match of the night. This one MVP. was crazy easy for me, like, like yeah. really straightforward. Match of the night, Gold Dust vs. Balbina. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it. Can't say enough about it. We covered it earlier. Yeah. yeah. And MVP, again, Goldust, really glad he's back, he's on top form. Yeah. It makes sense what they're doing with Goldust, it actually works, it's perfect. So, yeah. Uh, literally, that's all I can say about it, I'm really, really happy with Goldust. Billy, match of the night, um, MVP. I've, I've got to echo entirely everything I've said. Same. Um, Goldust for MVP, and best match Goldust for Balvinus. Yeah, I'm actually... Unanimous. <laughs> unanimous. It's our yeah. first unanimous decision. There you go. But, no, I mean, but that doesn't say much, because no. it's a shit paper for yeah. This is just the one diamond in the rough, that, really. That being said, you know, even I even put this match on any of the pay-per-views, I think it would, it would hold up. Still a standout, yeah. Yeah, still standout. Great storyline. You know, I'm just happy, because, you know, this is... Maybe one of the best moments for Goldust where he kind of gets that hero's return. Yeah, and, and he, you know, he gets his victory and it's perfect. Definitely, it's you know, one of definitely one of the guys you don't necessarily kind of automatically go, oh, the Attitude Era. You know, I think Goldust is quite an important player. Mm. It's a real mm. good moments. I know very little about Goldust, so mm. I'm I'm really. You've been a whirlwind actually of what you've seen. Your artist form, you known as Dustin Runnels. I liked. Now. I really liked Dustin Runnels. Yeah. So when, when I first saw him come out as Goldust, I was like. He's only been Dustin Rolls for a short amount of time, really. Two, three months, maybe. And it's not I, very I long. was, I was, I was, I was thinking, why are they going back so quickly? But as soon as the match started, New that, Goldust, that, yeah. that went. Um, it makes sense. I, I really like Goldust, and I yeah. really look forward to his future. Yeah, that's awesome. We get to see him. Of course, he'll get aligned with the Blue Meanie soon. So yes, Yee! Blue Meanie, of course, who follows us on Twitter, and of course, you can follow us on Twitter. Segway, slick, yeah. At tell. <laughs> um, you can follow us on Twitter, of course, at AE Podcast. You can follow us along there. We live we raw. We talk about, you know, stuff from the Adage Dara and the current product. Good way to keep in touch with us. Also, Facebook.com forward slash Attitude Era Podcast. 
goofs, videos, pictures, trivia, chat about the Attitude Era. Check it out there, give us a like. We always like to keep that updated with the latest goings on as well. And of course, you can listen to us on iTunes. You can subscribe there. Leave a rating or review, be nice. SoundCloud, where you can subscribe as well, like the videos, share them around. And of course, Stitcher Radio, great place to listen to this show. And of course, you can catch all of our stuff on Botchamania.com, where you can find all our episodes as well as videos. We've got a lot of fucking stuff now. Fucking hell, you're getting good at that, Kevin. T-shirts, buttons, posters, DVDs. <laughs> Even check out the newest Botchamania. Botchamania 234. 234. Ending was done by our very own Adam. God, guys, you didn't have to do it. Ah, you keep stop. Ah, you know. Hey, well, that's going to do it for me, Kevin. Me, Adam. And me, Billy. And that was Judgment Day 1998. Next one's Survivor Series. We'll see you at the Deadly Games Tournament on the Attitude Era podcast. Catch you next time. Smell what the rock is cooking.